have to deal with her? Just for Christ's sake. She's going to come back? She's not going anywhere. Well, she'll change. She's my mum. She's a zombie. Don't say that. Riverside, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Stop pointing that gun at my mum. Sean, calm down. Don't point that gun at Barbara. And don't exacerbate things. What does that mean? It isn't exactly fair. Yeah. Thank you. It's okay. Please, can we just stop and think about this? Tell him to put the gun down. Look, Lizzie, she's going to change. You know I'm right. And when she does, she'll come back and she'll kill all of us. That's what your ex can't seem to realize. That's what this is about, isn't it? It's just, it's just he doesn't like me. He's always hated me and now he wants to shoot my mom. She's not. You never thought I deserved her, that I was good enough. What are you talking about? Oh, come on. We all know you're in love with Liz. That is not true. Yes, it is. That is not true. Yes, it is. What? I know you only hung out with me at college to get close to Liz, and when she knocked you back, I was there to pick up the pieces. I've come to terms with that, Das. Why can't you? Lizzie, I want you to know that my feelings for you have always been essentially... Oh, please, there's slightly more pressing matters at hand here. Yeah, like the fact that Daphs is pointing a gun at my mum. I'm not the one who's being unreasonable, Pico. For Christ's sake, she's not dead. She's finished. For a hero, you're quite a hypocrite. You're the one that's gone from being a chartered accountant to Charlton Heston. I'm not a chartered accountant. Well, you look like one. Yeah. I'm a lecturer. You're a... Yeah. She's not your mum anymore. In a minute, she'll be just another zombie. Don't say that! We're not using the said word! Please, can we just calm the f down? Seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of February, the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, 5.03. Pardon me. Excuse me. Just one moment. Forgive me, won't you, please? There we go. Can you just step outside? What? No, I'm fine. Okay. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. It is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is 503-733-2970. If you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, amusements, mutterings, uh, ruminations, natterings, ends, odds, whatever it is you have inside your brain today that you feel everyone needs to be privy to. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and it must be said, dressed to the nines today. Uh, Somebody's a little excited about today. He's kind of getting your Sicilian on over there. You look like you should be sitting across the table and going... You know, and then judge, he suspended the sentence. I want justice. 
The first thing Richie said to me in this room is, will you take pictures of me? Said he got in the hallway with him flamboyantly holding up his scarf and his fancy outfit. And but when we say scarf, by the way, I mean, we should know that Richie's not in drag today. He's dressed as a, as a man, but as a stylish man. Well, all right. Well, we'll talk about why that is here in just a second. Uh, it's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to uh, join us. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, somewhere in between the just plain weird, strange, perverse, off-putting, or somewhat unclassifiable. Uh, you can email if you like as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, so we'll get to a couple of things. Last night, I swear to God, I was like six inches away from Terry Hatcher. Like, from here to here. Terry Hatcher and I had a moment, a connection. Was she as beautiful as she seemed? No, she looks like a freakish insect woman, is exactly what she looks like. Sarah Dillon? Uh, I would say that Terry Hatcher is herself strange, weird, perverse, off-putting, and somewhat unclassifiable. That's just my estimation, of course. That's just one man's opinion is what that is. Um, so last night, and I'm not making this up, we'll talk more about it here in a second. Uh, at one point, I was... I'm going to stop and rephrase this before it even leaves my mouth. At one point, I was standing in the immediate vicinity of uh, both Terry Hatcher and Dakota Fanning. So that's... That's so strange. And you all in your head can figure out how I might have originally been planning to phrase that. But I'll just just say that. It was all very weird. Um, So I was at the Coraline premiere last night, which, I mean, I don't know if it sounded like I'm a rube or whatever. I mean, I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't realize it was, I knew it was a big deal. I knew it was very cool. I knew there were going to be some uh, some stars in attendance, but I didn't kind of realize what a big deal it was until I was sort of there. Um, anyway, so I wrote blog posting about this last night, and I put it on my MySpace, but I, I don't think it posted for some reason, so I, I resubmitted that today. So if you go to the either MySpace or to RickEmerson.com, because I think the RickEmerson.com site is blocked at a whole bunch of places because we're always putting up horrible videos and, you know, things filled with profanity and boobs. So if you can see it at MySpace, and says MySpace.com slash Rick Emerson. Um, I put up a, a, a little, uh, just a little thing I wrote last night. I'll skip to the bottom of the page and say that at the Coraline World premiere last night, which is at the at the Schnitzer, um, I was there with Chris Paddock and uh, some some folks from Kink were there, and then it was just a whole crush of press and whatever. The highlight of the entire evening, it was really the high point of everything, uh, was the fact that I I met and spoke to for uh, a short bit, and and I shook hands with Brad Bird, who of course is the director of The Incredibles, and he's got I mean you know he's kind of like Mr. Pixar along with uh, along with John Lasseter, but he's also the guy that created The Iron Giant. He he did the film The Iron Giant, which is just like one of the most perfect things that's ever existed. I was anywhere. watching uh, Family Guy yesterday, and there was an Iron Giant. Uh, really. Mm-hmm. Because Excellent. it was when Meg uh, thought she was pregnant and she was getting married, and Peter's like, all I could find, because they're trying to make a wedding cake, mm-hmm. so all I could find is, um, you know, a figure of the Iron Giant and a doll that people have to use to, like, show where they've been molested. Hilarious. Uh, and it was so cute, and he was standing on top of the cake like that. Oh, God. So, anyway, so oh. I, there's really nothing else to say to the story, except I met Brad Bird. Uh, and of course, like a giggling fanboy, I mean, I, you know, I said something or other, and I, this, by the way, this is one of the only people I met last night where it wasn't on film. Um, because, you know, I talked to some other, you know, like Neil Gaiman was there, and, and Henry, Henry Selleck, and, you know, the guy who directed the Name film. Name dropper. That's well, awesome. that's, see, but I was just going to say, I don't mean to be like, so anyway, I was hanging out with oh, uh, Neil on, Gaiman. you should totally be like that. I, you know, it, it, it isn't like you're going to these things every weekend. That is true. No, so, no, no, name drop all the names that you want. I've never been six inches. Gus Van Sant was there, Sarah. <gasps> he was? Yeah, I stood right next to him. Did you talk to him? No. 
No, I didn't. Because what am I going to say to Gus Van Sant? Hey, I love that Psycho remake. I, here's what I... All I could do last night, it, I kept just... You know, it's because, like, you realize why Stuttering John happens. Because, I know mean, it was a cool event, it really was. But it's just, like, it's just so... Uh, um, it's so staid in some ways. It's just so overly mannered. Because it's like, well, Terry Hatcher's coming down the red carpet. Everybody be on your best behavior. Uh, you know, like, whatever you do, be on the... Act, re, you know, have all of your decorum in place for the chick from Desperate Housewives. What was she wearing? I don't know. Something that didn't cover the fact that she's strange looking. Was something she all that, pokey looking? Yeah, she's made out of points. She's a woman entirely made out but of points and sharp angles. She has a... Uh, look, I don't mean to sound like I'm... Not like I'm some beauty uh, king or nothing, but I... It, well, I'll tell the whole story here in a second. Um... But anyway, but you, you do see sort of why people, not that I would ever do this, and I, and I really wouldn't, but, but you do see why kind of pranking at those events sort of happens, because you just feel like everybody needs the air let out of them just a little bit. I mean, you know, and I, I guess I should take that back. It wasn't true for most people, but, you know, there's, there's that certain slice of people that are at any sort of red carpet event or a movie premiere where it's just, they're just kind of taking the whole thing like a little too seriously in that it's a great event, but you know what? It's 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 a fun event. It's a movie. It's art. It's supposed to be enjoyable. And I'm not trying to be some hippie, trippy nitwit about it, but it's like, you know, you're there to watch. You're there to basically watch a claymation film about a, a you know, about a girl, uh, you know, going to a, in, into an Alice in Wonderland thing where everybody gets buttonized. I mean, it's fun. Oh, I can't it, wait to see that. So, but instead, everybody's just sort of Were very the sort of like cool looking? formal and, and whatever. What? Were the buttons as cool? Uh, buttonized as cool the, looking? The movies, uh, the movies, fantastic looking. I'll talk more about that in a second. But but anyway, but you sort of just want to like add a little levity into the proceedings. You, know, you want to be like, come on, this is this is a cool thing. And so Gus Van Sant was there, and I was talking to Paddock, and I, I was, and I, I told Paddock, I said, look, I will give you all the money in my wallet right now, if you go ask Gus Van Sant if there's any truth to the rumor, which I just made up. I said, I'll give you all the money in my wallet if you go ask Van Sant if it's true that he's going to do a shot-for-shot remake of Showgirls. So go do it now, and he just he wouldn't. And then I, and then I offered Paddock, or not Paddock. I, Man, I, if I was there, I would have totally done that. I, I, I offered. Um, I offered, uh, uh, who was it? It was a, a Prime from, from Vanished Twimmers there doing some photography. And I offered him, um, I offered him like 10 bucks to ask, um, to work the phrase runny cheese into his question and answer with Neil Gaiman, the author. I was like, I'll give you 10 bucks if you say runny cheese to him. And that didn't happen either. So anyway, I had to make my own fun. Anywho, it's 503-733-2970. So uh, here in a few, we'll talk about last night's Coraline premiere, which is at the, Sch- at the Schnitzer, and I will remind you like a thousand times that I met the Iron Giant guy, which is really just a high point. Not that the movie isn't great, but man, that was just... Because I didn't expect that to happen. I just... Uh, I, I never, ever, ever thought that that would happen to me. And it's just, uh, it's just... You know, it's just the coolest film. And he's such a talented guy. I mean, I watched The Incredibles um, again last weekend. It was on it was on Disney or some some such. And I was just sitting around. And I watched the last half of The Incredibles. And God damn, what a great film that is! Just one of the best movies ever. All right. Well, in any event, uh, here's what else is coming up. Lisa, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill. Uh, we will talk to CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy as well. Coming up later on, Aaron Duran will actually join us in the studio. He'll be here in the two o'clock hour. Uh, let's see. We have uh, th- for the video rodeo thing, and we'll talk more about that as well. We may uh, have video rodeo featuring an audience member today. We may offer somebody uh, an exciting prize from the AM 970 uh, pile of crap if they can make it all the way through today's video rodeo installment. And you can find out more about that at rickemerson.com. It's the thing that says "not safe for work" like a thousand times. 
Uh, we will talk about CBS Radio Theater, which is coming up this Sunday, the return of AZ. And uh, the other half of that this Sunday, it's a live radio drama from 6 to 7. It's AZ, which is life in Portland after the zombie apocalypse. The other half is Kimmy Waters and the Songbirds of Sing Sing, which is a sort of detective noir uh, thriller. Uh, so we will talk about that as well. Joining us in the noon hour is going to be... And I don't even know how I should refer to, refer to him because he's not going to be in character. But it's, it's this is Kevin Cook. Kevin Cook, who uh, performs as Poison Waters, who's a drag queen and was at Portland Monthly for a long time. And, of course, you know, we've had a series of laid-off Portland media professionals filling in for laid-off Portland media professional Tim Riley. So Kevin Cook, alias uh, Chris, uh, Crystal Waters, Poison Waters, will be joining us in the studio later on today as well. So that's all coming up, plus your calls. Uh, and, uh, you know, hey, hey, and whatnot. It's 503-733-2970. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing very well. My night wasn't as exciting as yours, but I'm doing All right. Well, you watch Repo at Genetic Opera. I so. did. I hung out, yeah, with, uh, yin and yang with some of my buddies. Yeah, for some reason, I just felt uh, just really like staying in this week. So, yeah, I had some friends over and watched Repo again. I made Sarah Wagner watch it, and Good she loved it. So this is, now, I just, for the record, I did call you last night and offered you my ticket to the after party because I wasn't going to go, and I figured it was a thing. You See, whole, the whole thing last night, it really should have been a thing you did, not me. Not no, that I'm not grateful. To, you got to meet Brad Bird. Oh no, no, I'm not saying that I regret going. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that I went. It's fantastic. But I'm. But there were. I guess my my thing is last night there were several several times that I looked around and I was like, I don't. This is not a thing because I just feel I so socially awkward anyway, and especially any place where there's any amount of sort of like glamour or celebrity, I just feel like such a rube. I just feel like such a such a hick and a tool. And I'm like, I'm so unfashionable. Sarah should be doing this, not me. So did you bump into anyone that, um, you know, that, any uncomfortable situations there? Yes, you I did. You might have perhaps text messaged me about it. Yeah, so I, uh, okay, so this is the deal. So, so the Coraline, and Coraline, if you don't know, is the new film from the guy that did The Nightmare Before Christmas, Henry Selleck. And it's based on a, uh, it's like a graphic novel of the same name by Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman, uh, Neil Gaiman became famous for doing this comic book called Sandman. And then he did, he's done some other things. He did uh, a book called uh, Good Omens with Terry Pratchett. But anyway, so there's a graphic novel called Coraline. There's a new film made at Leica Studios, which is in Hillsborough here. I mean, there's all this kind of great Portland stuff going on. So that's on. why Dakota Fanning was in town and Sigrid played? That's why she was next door, because that the, the, the ADR, all of the additional dialogue, was recorded literally next door to us, which is why Siegfried was there hanging up with Dakota Fanning that day. Anyway, so there's a book called Coraline by Neil Gaiman that is made into a movie called Coraline by Henry Selleck, who did The Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach. Uh, the voice work is Dakota Fanning. The voice work is also a Terry Hatcher's in it. Not in attendance last night, but uh, one of the primary vocal talents, Sarah? Keith David. You know him as Maid Marian from Requiem for a Dream. Oh. He's in it. Um, so, so that movie world premiered last night at the at the Schnitzer. That was the the official world unveiling of of the film. They didn't do it in New York or L.A. It was here. And the reason they did that is because it was all done at Leica Studios, which is this stop motion studio in Hillsboro that is owned by Phil Knight of Nike. And he was also there, by the way. Um, wow! Like a jillionaire, and I'm standing like three feet from him, and I'm thinking, I wonder how many people he's crushed today. I wonder how many lives he's destroyed just since like breakfast. I mean, I'm just so envious of that guy. Um, so it was a so it was a huge deal, and um, 
So they had contacted us, and, and, and Susan Reynolds had, had, you know, kind of engineered this deal where we were going to be there and be on scene and, and, you know, able to interview some folks. And I know, I think Court and Bobby, uh, Court and Fatboy went to the junket earlier in this week, and I think they interviewed Neil Gaiman and, and Henry Selleck and whatever, and I don't think they got a chance to talk to Dakota Fanning, but it was all very, it's all very exciting. So I go there last night, and we didn't know when we were supposed to show up. We heard 6.30, 5.30, whatever, and, uh, and, and there were very, such very limited slots. I mean, such limited attendance uh, you know, for this whole thing. And so Chris Paddock and I show up, and, you know, we're, you know we're, it turns out we're way early. And so we're kind of milling around wondering, well, what are we going to do? It turns out it doesn't start until 6.30, and it's like, it's like you know, 5.45. And I'm like, I don't know, let's, uh, I don't know, why don't we get a sandwich or something? And we're kind of wandering, figuring out what to do. And I turn around, and she didn't see me, but I turn around, and I literally almost walk into, wait for it, Stacy Wilson, formerly of the Portland Monthly, <laughs> alias the most awkward news person we've ever had on the show. Um, she was the uh, woman who joined us a few weeks ago who didn't care for our our reindeer games at Our all. shenanigans. Yeah, she uh, she did she did not care for us. I am not receiving any Christmas cards from her. So she was there, and I don't know if she saw me or not, but she was there, and I told Paddock, I'm like, hey, that's, that's Stacey Wilson. That's the woman who hates us. And he's like, oh, you should say hello. And I said, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be a fantastic idea. And then so, yeah, I immediately ducked outside and was like, hey, by the way, Stacey Wilson is here. Best night ever. Um, so Paddock and I go to dinner. We come back, and then around 6.30... You know the deal with these with these premieres is it literally is like a big red carpet, and that goes from the entrance into the theater. You there's an actual red carpet, there's an actual big ass red carpet. Was there paparazzi? Yeah, I mean it was like you know MTV was there, uh, Yahoo News was there. I mean it was a whole thing. I and am envious now. See, and I I don't I don't ever go to a lot well, of. When you told really, me, uh, yeah, when you told me, you're like, oh, you know, th- th- we asked for a few passes and I was able to just get one. I thought that it was like one of those you know like everyone crammed into movie theater at Lloyd Center thing. No, I mean it was a big deal and I think we'd asked for 15 you know they're like how many slots do you want and we said well why don't you give us 15 tickets and they emailed back they're like how about one you'll take one and like it um, so the deal is there's an actual red carpet and then all of the press and I guess I'm press you all you know you 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 are parallel to the red carpet so if you imagine a red carpet that is about 40 feet long and then you are just parallel to it like you are lining the banks of a river watching the boats go by <clears throat> and then they bring in all of the sort of Stop. the celebrities one one by one and you know and you stand in a row and there's a little thing on the floor that says like you know, kink, and then a thing that says, you know, uh, AM 970, and a thing that says MTV, and a thing that says Oregonian, and you basically stand at your little place, and then they bring in all the stars, and they walk by, and they stop at each station for about 90 seconds, and you get like 90 seconds or two minutes to talk to them, and then they move to the next station. That's more than enough time. Totally. Um, to, uh, wait, what do you mean? Nothing, I was just making a pun about 90 seconds. Oh, I see. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you meant because I had nothing to say, because I have, you know, what am I going to say to Dakota Fanning? Um... And so you stand there, and they come by, and they do one by one. So they bring in, um, you know, the guy from Leica Studios, and then I think the first guy I talked to was Neil Gaiman, who wrote the book. And of course, I'm now I'm see now I'm just telling my whole geek story, but I uh, but you know what are you going to do? So they bring by Neil Gaiman, and he has so much credit in the geek community because of the Sandman comic and because of this book Good Omens that he wrote. But what am I always, you know, even though he's not, you know, he did, ten seconds later he forgets who I am, but I'm trying to impress him, right? So I'm like I'm going to think of something really impressive. So what do I do? I referenced this comic book that, like, no one else on Earth has even seen, probably, which is this comic book called The Last Temptation of Alice Cooper that he did in 1992. And it was a three-issue, one-shot comic series 
that ran in parallel with this Alice Cooper record that they, that, you know, that they put out, that Epic Records put out. And so I'm talking to him, and I said, hey, Neil Gaiman, you know, it's always a pleasure to meet somebody who has a singular vision and who really has a distinctive style. And congratulations on all your success. And you know, and and, and you know, and, you know, where do your ideas come from, or some some you know, gay question like that. Hmm. And he he answers it, and then I say, oh, by the way, I want to say I'm a huge fan of The Last Temptation of Alice Cooper. And he goes. And he sort of stopped, and I was really proud of myself, because he stopped and he kind of pulled back for a second, because I don't think he's even thought about that comic book since he did it, like, 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably the only person on earth that's ever referenced it, because nobody's ever read it. And I'm like, I'm a Big, big Ten fan of the Big Ten Last Temptation of Alice Cooper, and he goes, oh, well, thanks. And I was like, oh, okay, bye. You know, and mm -hmm. then, you know. So that's on film, I think. I think they filmed me talking to him. That's awesome. Henry Selleck comes by. He's the director. And... You know, I thought, even and of course, again, Siegfried had tipped me off to something he's doing, and so I'm trying to be the impressive guy. I'm like, hey, Henry Selleck, you did Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, great movie, James the Giant Peach, and congratulations on the buzz around Coraline. I said, uh, so Henry Selleck, uh, is it true that your next film is uh, is going to be a stop-motion zombie love story? And he said, well, um, well, it's not definite yet, but uh, we're definitely working on uh, something like that. You'll have to stay tuned for details. And I was all, all right, you're great. You know, and then he left. Um... Do we have to break here? Yeah, yeah. All right. So when we come back, I will tell you about Terry Hatcher. Boy, I mean, just, there's a whole thing with her, too. Uh, we'll talk about Dakota Fanning and what Chris Paddock and I did or did not do when <laughs> Dakota Fanning uh, stood right in front of us. Oh, God. Um, then I'll talk about the uh, uh, the film itself, uh, the Iron Giant guy, Brad Bird, and um, anyway, lots of other things. So you stay there. Back after this, Lisa Desjardins, your phone calls, and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. You stay there. Yes, it will. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. And now I'm getting a... Uh, Scott Daly says... Scott, because Scott Daly was there. He, he and uh, Prime from Vanished Twin were there. And uh, so you should have come to the after party. It was really amazing. All right, well, you know what are you going to do? It's 503 What are you going to sit there and have, a, like, a, a canopy with, you know, like, you know, hey, I, I really loved you is, like, did Scott third did voice from the film Well, because Film Fever Radio, and I think they, I think they, like, I think they called, I think they kind of put their name in the hat, like, way early, like, years ago. They must have been like, please, can we, you know, and I've just, because, I mean, cause it's such a confluence of nerd stuff, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas Guy and Neil Gaiman. You know, and, you know, all of this. So it's, I mean, it was a, you know, and plus. That must have been an easy last name to deal with growing up. Gaiman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. That's great. Okay. And Richie's too busy falling all over himself for Kevin Cook. Oh, yeah. So uh, so Kevin Cook, uh, who uh, performs in Dragon under the name uh, Poison Waters, is here. And so we just talked to Kevin in the hallway. And now we know why Richie's all gussied up. Kevin Cook's a pretty man. He is a pretty man. I think Richie's got a crush. Oh, he totally does. He made me take a bunch of pictures of him, and he got specifically dressed up. He did his hair specifically for this, and he's wearing his dress shoes. Why did – I don't understand. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you have to take a bunch of pictures of Richie? But, I mean, not with Kevin Cook, just, like, by himself? Yeah. I well, don't know. Okay, well, that's weird. Uh, all right, let's try this again, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, I say, picking up the phone without screening it and hoping desperately that I am correct. Lisa Desjardins, hello. Hello. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. That was – Amazing, actually, because I, I got disconnected by accident, and I just this second dialed back. All right. Well, see, but, you know, we're, we're Johnny on the spot here. The phone rings. Okay. We ah. answer it, sister. Bing, bang. All right. How's life? 
Good. It's crazy. Lots of exercise here at the Capitol. Lots of secret meetings here, running down the halls, getting yelled at by uh, staffers to, you know, not stand where you're – don't stand there. Really? And by staffers for whom? Who? Uh, Senator, Majority Leader, Senate, Majority Senate Leader Harry Reid. Oh, well, you know what? You can tell them to get bent. You, you, don't, you don't have to do what they say. Well, this Syria, he doesn't have any power. What's he going to do to you? I mean, just say, like, it's a free country, pal. I'll stand here if I want to. Yeah, there's a lot of off-limit. Well, it's not really off-limit. There's a lot of very particular rules in the Capitol, and a lot of them aren't clear. And the Capitol Police, what they know is that Harry Reid is the top guy in the Senate. And they know that, uh, you know, his staffers work for the top guy in the Senate. And, you know, if they say something, the Capitol Police aren't quite sure what's really the rule. They usually go with the, what the senators say. You know, the guy who uh, – never mind. I was going to make a weird pop culture uh, reference. I was just going to say – and because he, you know, he's he's now a he has now found uh, found Jesus and he sells real estate in Park City. But the uh, the guy who was in Deep Throat with Linda Lovelace is Harry Reams. And now if you go to Park City, Utah, you know he's he's like a Jesus guy and he sells land or something up there. So every time, and this is just because I was raised by pop culture, every time somebody talks about Harry Reid, in my head there's like a little half second delay where my brain has to go, no no no, not Harry Reams, Harry Reid. <laughs> well, my favorite is we. I still have to get used to the fact that CNN. Radio has an anchor named Harry Beetle. It always, every time I hear that, I kind of giggle. <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. Uh, Isn't that great? Beetle as in... Uh, well, it's got a D in it. It's B-E-A-D-L-E. Oh, like the J.K. Rowling book, Harry uh, Beetle the Bard. Yeah, yeah, but it's still, it's still when you hear it, it's still kind of like hee-hee. <laughs> it's yeah. like what? It's a little hee-hee. <laughs> All right. I suddenly uh, turned into a Japanese schoolgirl. Yes. It happens sometimes. It does. It happens. Moving forward, yeah, um, so hey, so I watched, forward, yeah. so I watched Barack Obama. This was on uh, Anderson Cooper last night, and I'm not sure when he gave this. It, I couldn't tell. Was it a speech? Was it a press conference? Where was this thing that Obama was speaking yesterday, where he suddenly turned on the fire and brimstone again about the stimulus package, and he was doing that? You know, this is not a game. This is the future of our country. You know, and he's like, he really amped up the energy again yesterday. A town close to my heart, Williamsburg, Virginia. That's where uh, House Democrats were having their retreat. And they, they go down there and they all sort of hang out and try and plan their priorities and strategies and all of that. And the president uh, gave a speech there last night. And so this, but it was really one of those things to kind of whip up the faithful and to put sort of political enemies on notice that, like, like we are not effing around. Like, we've got to get, like, in his opinion, anyway, this is Barack Obama's take, that, like, it's got to get done. You've got to get this through. And it was almost like you could see kind of the campaign Barack Obama. Like, he, it was almost like he felt like, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I can I can get back into the whole rah-rah thing right now. And he, and he was even having fun with it, kind of cracking some jokes in the middle and he was, he was going to town. Yeah, um, it was a it was a pretty it was a strong political speech. That's the thing is, I mean, regardless of you know, because the content and then the you know the the medium and the message are all two always two different things. But I was Laura and I were watching it last night. I said that really is a that's a powerful speech he gave uh, yesterday because it it really did whether one agrees with the stimulus package uh, as it now exists or not, it was really a powerful way to convey, at least from his perspective, the, the importance of, of getting it done. Um, and, he, you know, he had all those great phrases like, you know, this crisis could become a catastrophe. And he had one of the best opening lines that I've seen him use so far. When he, he came out, he was talking about you know, ramping up to this business about how you got to push through the stimulus package to fix the, the broken economy. And he says, and he said, let's be clear, uh, what did he call the economy or the crisis? But he said, let's be clear, this economic crisis was waiting on my desk when I got here yeah. or something like that. And the crowd yeah. just went nuts, of course, and, <laughs> which is a nice little bit of, you know, verbal uh, judo there where he's not 
You know, he's not complaining about it. He's not saying it's not my fault or blaming somebody else. But not he's not pointing a particular finger, but he really is. Yeah, it's a very it's a very passive matter of fact <laughs> indictment, which I which I quite like. So anyway, um, so I don't even so I don't even know where we where we are here. So what is the I mean, is there any kind of timeline on this stimulus package, or is it just going to be? Are we just going in circles on it? No, there there's a lot happening today, and the the one kind of scheduled thing is that by tomorrow, um, a key vote, one of those, they call it the cloture vote, which is it's like a procedural move, meaning that you're kind of moving on to that bill and that you have to mm-hmm. uh, start voting on it. That is scheduled for tomorrow at the latest. It could happen before that, but it has to happen by tomorrow. So that that's kind of the, the, long, the longest that this thing can go without uh, hitting a next plateau. But, you know, it was fantastic last night. We all thought, you know, they had this big, big meeting in the morning. You and I talked about it. And then after that, uh, things seemed to get a little, uh, you know, heebie-jeebie. Some people were breaking off from the compromise, didn't look so good. And Harry Reid took to the Senate floor and said, no, uh, we are going to stay up all night if we have to. I want this thing done within the next 12 hours. That, that's what I want. It was 6.15. And I knew there was really no way that support was not there. Just, I just did not feel like it was going to happen. So the entire Capitol Press Corps, everybody's sort of gathering. Are you going home? Are you staying? Right. What are you doing? Are you going? And I had to take it. I, I took the bet, and I said, I, I don't buy it. I'm going home. And maybe an hour later, <laughs> uh, Harry Reid, um, okay, go home. <laughs> okay. okay uh, Good call. I, I was all, I was all alone on that. It was just me who wanted to get it done by tomorrow. And uh, so, really, we need to put you in charge of everything because uh, no, you, oh my God. Well, no, but you know, there, there's something to be said that I think people who are not lawmakers on a day-to-day basis probably could get things done a little more quickly. Well, that's and as I and I have to reference this like about every 90 days or so. Everybody in their head does sort of see this unfolding like Charles Grodin in the movie Dave. <laughs> You know, where he just shows up on his Volkswagen bug or whatever, and he's, you know, and he's sitting there, and he's eating like, uh, you know, he's eating like, uh, like, like he's corned beef or something. And he's, who does these books? You know, and you know, and he's just kind of going through with a pen, he and he's pen that's got to go. What is that? Completely. Yeah. And you just you picture him there with one of those old, those great old adding machines that yeah. it's like rows of buttons, and you you yeah. press them, and they stay pressed down, and then you go shunk, and you pull the lever on it. I don't even know how those things work. I, those things are complete. That's like a pocket, or not a pocket, a slide rule. It's just completely mystifying to me. Slide rule. Ooh, yeah, I know the the slide rule. Wow. wow. Hey, can you use an abacus? I, I actually could use an abacus. And when I lived in Russia, that is often what they used at the cash registers. That is so great. Wasn't that great? It was fantastic. And, and they were, fa- and we would have races where I would have a calculator and my Russian friend would have an abacus. I have to ask you. And they, they could beat me. What is the, uh, what is the plural of abacus? It's got to be abacai. See, that, so so you would think, right? Got to be. And by the way, when I say abacai, it would be uh, it would be a i at the end, not just i. Uh, not nice, nice added point. Yeah. Um, I do feel like I should add some kind of substance to the to what's going on with the stimulus. Basically, Republicans are asking for maybe eighty or a hundred billion dollars in cuts from the plan as it is now. It's about nine hundred billion. They want to cut eighty billion. They want to cut a lot of that in money for education, uh, for school districts around the country essentially. They say, Yeah, that's great. We you know, we're all for education, but we don't think that that would add jobs. Democrats say, Have you been to a school district? A lot of school districts are worried about cutting jobs. We think this money will keep people employed. It's a very tricky argument. Uh, you know, no one's saying that um, the school's money would maybe, you know, build a whole new industry. But Democrats think that schools are going to lose employees. Republicans don't quite buy that. And there's a big fight over 
tens of billions of dollars for schools in this package. Well, and of course, and then it, 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 we were talking about this the other day. There's this whole notion of are they going to be forking over thousands of dollars to people who are either first-time home buyers or have not bought a home in 20 years or something to try to cover part of the down payment on something that they probably shouldn't be buying again in the first place. It just seems like it's it it seems like there is like there is no possible solving thread you can pull on this sweater that does not then unravel about nine other things, right? That's the whole deal, is that everything is so unbelievably interlaced and interconnected that it becomes just this economy as designed by Rube Goldberg. <laughs> oh, I get, on, the, on the mortgage issue, honestly, I thought that was going to get a little bit more traction. It's nowhere. That, mm. that idea is just nowhere in any of this. Well, what can you do? All right. Oh, but you uh, can keep talking about it. <laughs> What's what I do when I'm not talking about like Avocado? You may have killed it. You may, you may, you may probably take We talked about this on the show one day, next day, practically dead. All right. Well, you know, I, I have the unique ability to make things vanish from the news just by expressing interest in them. <laughs> like I talking about, talking about that shooting on the BART in uh, you know, California. Gone. Next day, gone. Gone, gone. All right. Uh, on that no, note. That's, so that, really? I feel like that was, it was, like even, even last week, there were more stories about uh, I, there. Anyway, don't, don't get me started. I'm uh, not helping you. Okay. Have a great weekend. We okay. will talk to you very soon, Lisa. You too. Thank you. There you go. That's Lisa Desjardins. I love Lisa. I really do, but wow. <laughs> talk? You don't know from talking. Oh, and, you're just as guilty. No, I am. I'm just saying, but it's like two chatty Kathy dolls that are just constantly pulling each other's strings. Uh, I know it's funny when I can see you finally trying to get, take control of the situation and trying to wrap up the conversation. That's when she starts to, like, escalate. <laughs> Seriously, because it's like we're never on the same page. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, it's like when I'm trying to, when I'm, like, thinking, okay, I'm going to bring this to a conclusion. That's when she's like, and then another thing, Exhibit Q. And she's going to some long list of things. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, CNN Radio correspondent Ed McCarthy. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How are you? Happy Friday to you. Thank you, my friend. And I know it's, what is your Wednesday today? That's my, actually my, uh, my Friday, Thursday. I can never tell. I just, <laughs> can I tell you, that was right there. That was actually a full-on bluff on my part because I figured I had a 20% chance of being right no matter what day I guessed. That was good, though. I mean, you know, it's true. I mean, actually, you know, it's really funny. I always get to get, when people work, they don't work the typical Monday through Friday. You always get to, this is my Friday. You'll hear that on a Monday. You go, what? Can I just tell you this, and I, this is not an indictment of you personally, Ed, but I'm just saying people in general, do you find, does it irritate you when you are talking to someone and maybe not you because you are kind of in this situation, but when you're talking to somebody and it's like, you know, whatever, it's like Tuesday or something, and the person goes, oh, no, no let me tell you, baby, this is my Friday. And I'm like, I don't care. That's exactly it. right. It just bugs you. Like, shut up. I don't want to hear about how it's your I don't want to hear that because I've got more hell to go, I got, okay? Yeah, i got four more days of excruciating torment. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I guess I could do a segue here from how, uh, I guess when you're unemployed, it's Saturday every day, Ed. The, yeah. I was watching. Sad, sad but true. In CNN last night, was making it sound as though there was actually going to be a dip in the jobless rate for January because it had spiked in December, but now I guess that's not true. This is about the third time this has happened. Uh, the economists, they all have this general consensus, they call it, and they they come up with this, and, and you know, of course, we are expecting what's going to happen, and it was supposed to be, uh, you know, up 7.5% from 72 and then it was up 76 and now here we are, we've come full cycle. I remember this in 1974 when uh, there was not a job to be had when uh, you were getting out of college and uh, you were wondering what your next move was going right, to be. Right. And you see this now, 34 years later, it's just this is really a deep, deep recession. And uh, we are in one now that uh, even these economists and, uh, of course, lawmakers, there's, I don't know if that surprises a lot of people, but 
they're looking for answers, but the economists who seem to know the answers or have the pulse on the economy, uh, boy, they really got shot down by this thing. It's just amazing. I, I heard you talking with Lisa, and you were saying, you know, like pulling on all the threads of the sweater. It's so true. It's so many elements involved here, and it's just unbelievable. I'm surprised that nobody, and maybe they have attempted to do this, and he just doesn't want to talk about it right now. I'm surprised that nobody has found Jimmy Carter and just said, you know, look, you were here the last time everything went south like this. What What is your take on this? Because Carter, of course, presided over largely, you know, the gas lines. And, you know, circumstances that were beyond his control to a great extent, I think. But, I, you know, Carter presided over just such an implosion in so many ways, whereas you said it was, I mean, people don't, and I only barely remember this, but most people, uh, you know, under the age of, I would say, if you're probably under 35, they don't remember right. driving exactly. by gas stations. And there were just big signs saying, like, we don't have any gas. No we gas don't have today. Any gas. Or if you do something, it was, it was like a gas station speakeasy. Right. You had to know somebody to get gas. And then the, the guy, okay, because I remember I used to drive a delivery car for a, a drugstore. A pharmacy, right. and uh, you know he had to get gas for that. So you know the guy said, uh, pull, "Pull on up later on, about three o'clock in the afternoon, and we'll get you gas." Just a uh, you know pretty it's, nasty situation. The, it, we saw a little bit of a culmination of that after uh, we had uh, one of the hurricanes this year um, in the fall. I mean, Georgia got socked, and we had gas lines here. But you know this unemployment thing uh, today it was really much worse than expected, and. Uh, obviously, it's it's hitting all different segments right now. And as what one economist told me, and she makes a very good point, she says, you know, they have these numbers, and they're kind of revised, and these revisions show deeply how small business is being affected. Because if you're walking down the street, chances are you're seeing a place that closed up. That place probably was there 25 to 30 years, and those owners always got through, but now they can't. Yeah, the uh, you know, and it's it's interesting when you look back on over the last year or so before you know i mean obviously this problem has been building for a long time and it's been sort of it, you know it's it's the uh, whatever it's like the elephant in the living room has been growing day by day until oh, one, day, one day we noticed it but i i'm i remember about a year ago on this show there was this uh bakery and it was uh, there's a the place here called hawthorne street and on hawthorne there was this bakery and it was a family-owned bakery a place called bowers bakery that had been there forever and it was probably my favorite place uh, to eat in portland in terms of that kind of food and it had you know, it's the old thing. You know, the father to, to you know to children yeah. and the generations, the and and it was just it was an institution been there forever. And I remember just out of the blue one day there was a big thing in the window saying, "Hey, like we're going to be closing in two weeks. You know, we, the economy sucks. We can't afford it anymore. We're just, it's just not coming to get. We have to we have to go out of business." And I remember thinking at the time, like, I, that doesn't make any sense. I don't even know how that's possible. How is that? How has that suddenly come to be? And you look back now, and it was all. They were all like pre-tremors or, you know, whatever it is before an earthquake. It was all like the tiny little, not an aftershock, but it's right. like a prelude shock. Yes. And, you know, and it was obviously the cracks in the foundation starting. It's just creepy when you look back and you realize that the kind of the ground was already kind of going out from underneath us then, even though we didn't really know it. And, you know, my heart goes out to people now who actually have the guts to open a business and start one. You know, right. they had planned this down the road and then all of a sudden this thing hit. Well, they hadn't planned that. Right. They plan the next stage of their lives. Right. Uh, we know these uh, folks that uh, they just opened up a pizza place, and it's really darn good uh, in in Georgia, which is unusual to get good pizza in Georgia. And uh, anyway, to make a long story short, I, you know, I wish them well because uh, they're really uh, they've got a lot of guts to open a business right now. Absolutely. All right, my friend. On that note, hey Ed, it's my Friday, so uh, all right. I'll talk to you uh, next week. Until then, you have a, a good day. We'll talk to you soon, sir. You betcha, Rick. There you go, Ed McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. All right. He's so jovial. He really is. All right. So I've just been instructed by Richie that um, Kevin Cook wants penis watches. 
So I'm desperately online trying to find. You're desperately seeking penis watches. Seeking penis watches. Yeah. All right. I got nothing. Do we feel that Kevin Cook is going to need substantial bleeding? Yes. That's great. That's wonderful. All right. I should have known when both Byron and Storm within the space of like an hour, like, hey, you got to talk to Kevin Cook. All right. Sure, it's going to be fine. It's 503-733-2970. You know what I'll do? Because people ask, have been asking me here to finish the um, the Coraline story. So last night was the world premiere of Coraline at the Schnitzer. And, and Rick uh, walked the red carpet. I was there. I'm so jealous. No, I didn't. You know what I did afterward, though? Here's what a retard I am. Afterward, I actually went and I stood on the red carpet when everything was done, just so I could say I was stood. You know, just I want to know what it was like. You know what it is? It's carpet. So I, I literally, though, I afterward, I'm like, I'm going to go stand on the red carpet for a second. And I stood there because all the lights were still on and everything. And it was all it was very strange. And it's, it's also weird. I mean, I know I just sound like a hillbilly when I talk about this. But it's also weird when you see that stuff in person that you've seen on television. Because, you know, like at the, like the Grammys or something, it's always the same shot where it's them holding the Grammy Award. And there's the black backdrop. And then the letters are diagonal letters over and over and over that just say, like, American Music mm-hmm. Awards or Grammys or whatever. And there's, like, all the lights. And they had one of those where the backdrop just said Coraline, Leica Studios, Focus uh, uh, Features, I think, which is the other the distribution company for that. And it was just odd to see that sort of in in person. But um, anyway, so it was it, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. And um, I'll tell kind of the rest of that here in a bit. I think Kevin Cope will probably have some things to say yeah. about that as well. The Terry Hatcher thing, though. I'll save all my thoughts. I don't want to just sort of get into it now because it's going to be too long to, to do in this segment. It's just all very strange. Uh, and then we'll talk a bit about the actual movie uh, that they showed last night. Here's the one thing I will say about Coraline, which I think goes into wide release. Is it? It's, it's not. Is it this? It's not today. today. Is it wide release today? Mm-hmm. So it's certainly playing in Portland today, and I guess, yeah, wide release. I have to say the 3D is the best I've ever seen. James Cameron wasn't lying about that. Because they talked to Cameron, who had done that 3D for Ghosts of the Abyss, which is the Titanic documentary thing, which was okay, but there was still some sort of ghosting, some artifacting, where you'd see the double image now and again. But Cameron has got this movie Avatar coming out, which is going to be all 3D, and I think he's going to be using this same 3D process they used for Coraline, which is I think it's called Real 3D or something like that. And James Cameron, who you know I trust implicitly on such matters, uh, he said... It's the best I've ever seen. It's 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 the way that 3D will have to be if it's going to be around. And I got to tell you, it was, it really was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And you could because you and the great thing about it is like you never forgot it was a 3D film as such because I mean something's coming out of the screen at you obviously you know but you but you quit being conscious of the fact that you were wearing glasses and like looking through them because it wasn't the weird and it wasn't doing that jazz of like giving you a headache or something about halfway through. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll take this call then we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, Kevin Cook, a.k.a. Poison Waters, will join us today. We'll talk about uh, last night's Coraline premiere some more later on, Aaron Duran, Video Rodeo, and more. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I'd like to volunteer to come in and do the listener video rodeo. Now, why would you volunteer to do that? Well, the reason why is my friends and I, we used to do a thing on Rotten.com. Mm-hmm. So I've seen some really bad stuff that whoever would cringe last got the money. We'd all put in like five bucks. So this is like day. a, what do you mean whoever would, oh, so, and like, then like, whoever would like react to it? Yeah, exactly. And the last person to react got the got the you know cash, however much it was. So would you all? Because Rotten dot com is you know it's a, it's a whole it's a website that is just nothing but horrible photos. Many of them taken after awful accidents, such as you know, hey, here's a guy who was using a power sander in the nude when suddenly he sneezed at the wrong time, and then it's a cut to him in the ER, you know, with like half his junk gone. Um, yeah. So would you and all I, sit I around one? Them, so. Would you all sit around one computer and then click on the image, and then you'd all have to look at it at the same time? Exactly, and whoever walked away cringed or kind of looked away the last was the one that 
won the pot basically, and yeah. I was pretty good at it. So. And you know, here's the weird thing about that too, and this is a, this is I think very much a guy thing. It just like Sarah is constantly with like, hey, does this milk smell rancid? Come check this out. Guys always want to do that with horrible videos or pictures. It's like you're doing with that. Exactly. Like you post it everywhere. Like, look at this. Don't look at this. It's exactly correct, Sarah. It's you, you know, I think Henry Rollins made this point about. He, about roaches in a roach motel, and he said he didn't understand. He said there must be no solidarity in the roach world because you think that the first roach that got stuck in there would warn all the others. Like, it's a, it's genocide. Stay away. But instead, like, no. And so you go back at the end of the night, and the roach motel is full. So that means that some roach inside is going like, all right, well, I'm going to see how many other guys I can screw with this. Hey, come on in. It's fantastic. It tastes like maple. And then it's a whole thing full of roaches. That's what guys do with awful video. Uh, you find something terrible on the internet, which is not, like, difficult to begin with. You just got to oh, see... Then, yeah. then you got to share it with all your friends, too. Totally, because it's like, if you're going to suffer, they got to be warped as well, right? Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, well, let's see here. Um, Sarah, how do you feel about that? Now, you know, he... What is your name, sir? I'm uh, Brentley. Brentley. Now, Brentley has called up and just proactively offered I, to do I a video rodeo. I screamed Brentley yesterday. Really? Yes. Did you What's call us? I don't assume that there are two Brentleys in the office. Oh, yeah. No, no. I did call yesterday about Probably the zombie not. story. Yes. So now, uh, to about the story. do we want to do this? Do we want to pick somebody randomly later to do video rodeo, Sarah? How do you feel about this? Let's, let's go with Brentley. All right, Brentley. All right, so where are you at physically, sir? Right now, I'm on uh, Jefferson in uh, northwest Portland. Now, are you going to be, uh, now, would you be available, uh, like, let's say, in the 1 o'clock hour? The 1 o'clock hour? Um, yeah, I might be able to make it over there. All right. Well, do me a favor. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll let you go for now. Um, or I don't know if Richie's back there. If Richie's back there, I'll put you on hold. He can talk to you. We'll see if he can. You know that Richie's just back fawning all over Kevin. Yes. Or something is hard with fawn. Um, the, uh, we'll, we'll put you on hold. Richie will talk to you. We'll see if we can coordinate having you come in at like uh, 1 o'clock. We may do this with a couple different people, actually, which is what we did last time where we had that guy come in and then that girl Penelope also came in. So we might find actually like a couple different people and just do it bing, bang, boom. And, and I'll put it this way. I laughed at two girls, one cat. Hey, you know what we could do, Sarah? We could actually do it uh, the way that Brentley does. We could actually get like three listeners, put them in front of the computer at the same time, and then who, you know. And, you and know then, Friday's already insane anyway. We might as well just like go with the and, you know, And subject three people to it at once. And you know what? Mm -hmm. If none of them cringe, then we'll, all, we'll toss them each something nice. All right. I'll put you on hold, sir. All right, cool. All right, thank you. Richie, uh, would you talk to uh, Brentley there? And uh, see if we can coordinate a time for him. And if he can come into the 1 o'clock hour, we'll find a couple other listeners to do it. All right. It is, by the way, if you want to see this video, and here's the thing. I know you want to see it, but don't see it. You shouldn't watch it. It's bad for you. It's pretty bad. It's an awful thing. It shouldn't be. It's not be. worse than the eel fingertips, though. I just don't know. I can't. I, every time I think about that, it makes me, I, I can't even allow my brain to think about it. I have put it up at uh, rickemerson.com. Uh, the most recent blog entry is about the Coraline thing, uh, but if you look below that, there's a thing that says not safe for work, and it does say not safe for work seven times. And believe me when I tell you that's true. I implore you now, don't, don't like, test your IT department on this point. It is not safe for work or for living things. Uh, but if you really want to see it, the link is there. It's also up at myspace.com slash Rick Emerson. I'm just going to read you the first comment that's on my MySpace blog about this video. And I'm going to leave it at that. And, again, you can watch the video at rickemerson.com or at myspace.com slash Rick Emerson. I'm just going to read you this first comment. This is from a listener who says, I implore you all to refrain from viewing the video in question. I watched the entire video and immediately regretted it. I am almost absolutely certain it is real, but my brain refuses to accept that and has somehow continued to insist that it's fake. I just woke up from a three-hour nap and had horrible nightmares that seemed to last the entire time all about this video. 
Without ruining it uh, with a complete description, it should be noted that if, I won't even say, if blank makes you queasy, this is absolutely not something you want to watch. After viewing it, the only person with more deep and permanent scars is the person in the video, probably. I can't fathom how Sarah made it all the way through without a little negative impact. I'm not sure what it says about anyone who can make it through and not be damaged. This is not one of those situations where Rick says, don't watch it as some sort of tease to coax you into watching it. This truly is a situation where don't watch it means do not watch it. You will not be the same if you do. All right, there you go. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like the two girls, one cup thing, I couldn't even watch the beginning of that. Yeah. That grosses me out more than... Well, but that's because you, I mean, because as much as you have a sort of fascination with your digestive system, maybe less so with that of others. Mm -hmm. Somebody else's digestive system is not a... Uh, yeah. No, it's... You no. know what it is? Here's what that's like. That's like, look, I mean, you know, uh, whatever, like, uh, here's what that is like. That's like occasionally you got to blow your nose. It's just the, the way that the, the way your body works. You don't want to hear somebody else doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to occasionally got to get rid of a pimple. You don't want to watch somebody else doing it. Mm -hmm. That's what the two girls one cup thing is. I think that I'm, I'm going on the record right now. I think that is grosser than this other one. The two girls one cup is grosser than this. Yes. There is some speculation that the two girls one cup is, is fake. But here's the thing: it's like, how would you even know? And even if it is fake, like there's something coming out of there, that's, regardless of. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. No, because something's in there. <laughs> And then it's in a Even cup. if it's like, you know, Pudding. candy and dreams, like it's still coming out of her orifice. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, miss, I'm going to have to have you. Um, nurse, can we, get a, uh, can we get a flashlight? I'm sorry. Your ass appears to be full of candy and dreams. I, have you had an accident lately? Did you, uh, have you, have you sat on something? Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Kevin Here Cook. Here we go. Alias uh, Poison Waters. We should talk to Richie first, though. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Then Video Rodeo coming up later on today. Aaron Duran will join us. We'll have another happy Valentine's Day or not breakup story. More of your phone calls. And uh, we will talk a bit about CBS Radio Theater, which comes up this Sunday at 6 p.m. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson program. Stay there. All right, then. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into amusements of all varieties. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. By the way, I want to say that Richie looks like some sort of Ross Dress for Less Godfather today. <laughs> and Yeah, we didn't even get to talk to Richie this morning. We didn't because, uh, well, I got I was so busy talking about how I met Terry Hatcher last night and how mm -hmm. she and I uh, shared a moment. And I'm sure, and you were going to tell us about how you said something creepy around Dakota Fanning. I didn't say anything creepy oh. around Dakota Fanning. Let's be very clear about that, right? Let's, let's, well, I didn't uh, say about her. I said around her. Oh, well, that was true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna, let's establish at the outset that I, in fact, uh, Paddock and I made a concerted effort. We, we decided quickly, like between ourselves, that we, when Dakota Fanning came by, we were going to look at the ground and not speak to her at all. No eye contact, no talking. See, the no less nothing. creepy I think you two try to be, the more creepy you probably are. You know what? We weren't as creepy as the guy who was standing next to us. Uh, who, did you ever look at it? I don't mean to sound snooty about this. I really don't. But 
Just like you could look, there's certain things you can tell about people just by looking at them. We all know this. Sometimes it's a, it's a sort of a facet to their personality. Sometimes uh, you look at somebody and you can kind of get a good sense of, um, you know, of what, uh, you know, certain certain activities. Like you can tell a guy who's into Ren fairs. You can look at a guy and go, that guy goes to a Ren fair. F A I R E. You absolutely know that. Sometimes you can look at somebody and go, that guy's probably a geek. Sometimes you can look at a guy and tell he's a jock or he's an athlete of some kind. You can tell a guy who writes a blog. Uh, when you are ever, if you're ever, and this is not like I go to a lot of red carpet things, but I've been at stuff where they're interviewing people or whether there's some, you know, like a filmmaker or whatever, and you ask him questions. You can look at a guy and tell right now, that guy works for, you know, like a newspaper. That guy works for something dot, you know, dot blogcasting dot com. <laughs> so there was a guy that I just know in my bones was a blogger, and he talked to Dakota Fanning for, I would say, uh, an exceptionally lengthy period of time. And, and she's grown up to be a pretty little girl. Uh, she, well, she's still, I mean, I don't know how old she is, but she still is really young. I guess in my head, I kind of confuse a lot of uh, Hollywood, you know, young Hollywood actresses with other Hollywood actresses. And also, because I think like the Lindsay Lohan thing, I have like a weird thing in my head of how they age and how they look. And I sort of lose track and I, and I come back and I go, well, she's got to be 30 by now. And then Dakota Fanning is, what, like how old would you say she is? 12? I, don't know, I have 14? no idea. I, so that's what I'm saying. I have no clue. Um, but um, but so Dakota Fanning came by, and, and Paddock and I were like, okay, no, look, there's nothing we can say that's not going to be creepy. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to uh, look at each other. Uh, we'll pretend to have a conversation about Lord of the Rings, and uh, we'll wait for Dakota Fanning to pass us because otherwise, otherwise it's going to be strange, and anything we ask her is going to seem creepy and weird. And we're we're both like 50 years old, so we're just going to okay, she's gone, that's great, wonderful. And then we would, and then we went back to the whatever. So, uh, but there was some guy was writing for a blog, and I swear to God, it was like a nine-hour conversation that he kept just so. And anyway, and so then um, let me ask you about your role in, in Hound Dog. Do you want to talk about that for a minute, Dakota? I'm a big fan of that movie, and Paddock and I. It became so awkward at one point, we just had to leave and get Was coffee. she trying to, like, end the conversation? I didn't say that, Sarah. You said that. <laughs> All right. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you? Hello. Good. All right. He is so nervous. Yeah, you're, you're all weirded out and amped up. What is your problem? Have you ever seen me dress this nice for anybody? No. I mean, do you dress this... Please don't take this the wrong okay. way. Do you dress this nicely for women? Uh... No. No. Well, the <laughs> yeah. answer is no. for women. Yeah? So, so why are you... What is your deal? Why are you so edgy today? What? I'm excited. No, he's edgy in a good way. Oh, you're edgy in a good way. Is this because... No, he's, it... he's like a, a Twitter with excitement. <laughs> is this because Kevin Cook, uh, alias Poison Waters, is here? Yeah. Now, have you ever seen Poison Waters perform? No, and we're going to go watch, right, sir? Yes. Oh, because you're going to go see him do his drag performance. When are we going to do that? After we go dress shopping? Yeah. When are you going dress shopping? I don't know. Richie said that we were going to go get manicures soon, to go dress shopping. Soon. Are both of you are getting manicures at the same time, at the same day, in the same place? Well, I'm going to lose 10 more pounds, then I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to buy guys and girls clothes because I'm going to make over. Cause I well, have... the Oscar thing's coming up. You're not going to be able to lose 10 pounds before that. Oh, yes, I will. We oh. should note, by the way, that uh, we haven't talked about this a whole lot. We'll be talking about it more in the next week or two. Um, so Sarah Dillon, Richie Bristol, Tim Riley, and myself, we are all going to be at the Hollywood Theater on Sunday, February 22nd, uh, for the Hollywood Theater's Oscar Night America celebration, which, by the way, is the only um, officially sanctioned uh, public screening of the Oscar ceremony. Uh, is the only uh, Oregon... It's the only place in Oregon that they're showing the Oscars, and it's sanctioned by the uh, Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Sciences. Do you think Terry Hatcher will be there? 
I don't think Sam Adams will be there, uh, as was originally planned. I'll put it, let's all say that. Oh. I think his name was originally on the literature that they put. And by the way, Sam Adams is going to be there. Now I think not so much. Uh, but uh, we're all going to be there. And uh, there, we will have uh, Rochelle will be there and another special guest. Will when do we get to talk about the special guest? Next week. Okay. Next week, there will be a special guest joining Rochelle on the red carpet at Oscar Night America. But then it, but, no, uh, I'll be joining her. Sorry. Anyway. So you're going to be the Melissa to her Joan. Yes. That's a good way to put it. So we'll talk about that more next week. But Oscar Night America, Sunday the 22nd at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, tickets are at filmaction.org. But it's going to be uh, Sarah Dillon, Rochelle uh, Crystal, uh, Tim Riley, and myself. We'll all be there uh, along with a special guest, the, yes, the, the Joan to... Uh, to, to Rochelle's Melissa. So we will announce that next week. So, Richie, why are you so so nervous? Because you're a straight man, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So why are you so... I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying, why are you so nervous around around Kevin, Kevin Cook? I don't know. Like, if you were a football player or a basketball... Let's say you were a basketball player and uh, Michael Jordan came in, you'd be pretty excited about it, right? Well, for drag, you know, Poisoned Waters is up there with Darcel and Would you? plenty of others. The, and the 20 years of, of dragging these these are the veterans. 20 years of dragging. You know what I mean. So this is so so Kevin Coco performs in drag as Poison Waters. Is somebody? This is just uh, it's somebody doing something very well for a long period. Of it's time. so it's somebody who excels in a field in which you are interested. Yes. All right. Something you do and you would like to uh, you would like to do it as well as I possibly. So would you like him to be like your mentor a bit? That'd be cool. So what what, did, what have you guys spoken about this after, this morning so far? Everything, uh, nails, losing weight, boyfriends, uh, <laughs> boyfriends? plural. Well, past right. and right. not me, of course. <laughs> All right, okay, I'm gonna pull the pin on this now. Okay, uh, can you can you bring Kevin in? That'd sure, be, that'd okay. be great. All right, Yay. There you go. And then we should have a question. I'm almost oh, immediately regretting God. this. Oh, for the love of God. Um, so we should have a question and answer period and. and I guess now. Do you, uh, okay, let's decide right now. Do we have Richie come back in while Kevin's in the room or not? Okay. Because I, I've never seen him this dressed up. Ever. No, I think we even for like the pictures that we took. Him. All right, so uh, we'll welcome now to the uh, Rick Emerson Show, Kevin Cook joining <laughs> us. And we got a chair right here if you want to use it, Kevin. And, and Richie will get you set up with headphones, and then uh, you adjust the microphone to your liking. Just stay, stay kind of right up on the mic, uh, or we'll, we'll lose your voice there. So Kevin uh, Cook joining us now in the studio. We'll get some phone calls here in a moment. Later on, Aaron Duran will be joining us. We've got there's some news stories to get to, uh, top five video rodeo, and, uh, and all this. So just get right up, pull that right up. Yeah, right like that. Hello, right, Kevin. Really close, just like I like it. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Good morning. Good morning. All right. So, uh, by the way, have you noticed on a scale of one to ten that Richie's uh, nerves are like at a fifteen right now? Oh my God, he loves me. He does. He's and been so excited. He's, he's been counting down. Well, he calls today. me every day at home. I'm, you know, I'm very busy ruling the world for my little living room office. But I take his calls. Does he really call you? Oh God, and I love it. Sometimes he I let does? it go to voicemail just so I can listen to it. He's darling. So, Be nice to my little Richie. He is not a Ross just for less godfather. How dare you? I'm sorry. I think I was just uh, I think I was trying to channel Mr. Blackwell there, and it didn't really happen. We're just for projecting because we didn't we're not as fancy as him today. No, you are all very fancy. I love it. All here. very striped. I know this is much nicer than Byron described it. Quite honestly. <laughs> Note to self: Byron on enemies list. Exactly. Byron. How did Byron describe it? Well, I, I can't tell you because, see, what I'm trying to do is systematically move my way higher on the food chain here in Portland. So if I just, like, eliminate folks, <laughs> you, you can know. do that by stepping on Byron uh, at this very moment, if you'd like. I'm leaving that door open. Oh, poor little Byron. But then I'll have Juan all to myself. Anyway, <gasps> Juan oh my is gosh. a beautiful, beautiful man. Isn't he the darlingest? And then when I grow up, I want to be Storm. So Storm and Byron said, come on, talk to Rick, and here I am. You and Storm could do, like, a Halloween thing where you go as photo negatives of each other. Oh, my right? gosh. No, she has bigger boobs than me. 
Well, I mean, but I could buy bigger uh, ones. There's always carbo loading, and if you want to sort of, <laughs> all right. So we'll back up for a second. So, um, so we've been having, uh, as we say, a series of laid-off Portland media professionals in uh, for our uh, good friend Tim Riley, who uh, there was a streamlining that happened in December, so oh. he's no longer with us. But the, you were until recently at Portland Monthly. I was with Portland Monthly for just almost three years. Three years. And so, what were you doing there? So I was the Devil Wears Prada girl. I was the executive assistant to the publisher. Uh, we had five publications in two cities and so i split my time back and forth between seattle and portland and did all the things that you see um what's your name Andy Sachs do it in the movie and so at some point does that mean that that stanley tucci had to sit you down and go let me tell you why fashion matters (laughs) really literally yeah this is periwinkle blue this is cornflower do you know the difference did you work for an anna wintour oh well you i i can't i can't divulge that you know you because I want people to read the book when it comes out. Okay. So I should say, by the way, that I've been handed this condensed biography. Oh, my And gosh. by the way, he has never done this for any guests that we have had. Did Richie put this together himself, or did you give him this biography? Well, Ricky is my new publicist, and I question none of his actions. He is fantastic. I'm just going to read this uh, as, it, as it's written here. Uh, it says, uh, community leader synonymous with dedication, passion, humor, joy, and positive light. Poison Waters is not just a personality. Poison Waters is experience dun, dun, dun. Um, and uh, since this uh, is the age of 20 poison waters aka Kevin Cook has held numerous titles in Portland Oregon including Ro- Rosebud the 13th Rosebud 13 what does this mean isn't that cutest and guess what speaking of that it's my 20th anniversary so 20 years ago I was crowned like the queen of the underage queers and they had like a little pageant and I wore a little is the prize for that jail time or no, <laughs> no the prize for that I think I got like all the diet soda I wanted for a year something like that <laughs> Yeah, and now I'm diabetic. So anyway, uh, so are you from Portland originally? You know, I always say that wherever you um, go through puberty is where you're from, and so I am from Portland because I puberized right here in the Rose City, and I actually was born in Santa Monica, California. So where that must be a little bit of a, not a whole culture shock, but a little bit of a culture shock. Not like you're coming from Salt Lake, but still, yeah. <laughs> really, no. So yeah, Portland, I love it. You know, I, I I came here with my family in a little covered wagon, and we were like. We thought literally like cowboys and Indians and lumberjacks and everything was going to smell like maple syrup and be in plaid and, you know, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound corny? Really, it's I, just, no, 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 it's not. It's just such a great image. I'm having trouble moving past it because when you said that, I'm picturing Vinch, Victor French from Highway to Heaven, <laughs> like with a huge beard, like a neck beard and the plaid shirt and like an axe over his shoulder like Paul Bunyan, okay. but then wearing maple syrup. That's cologne, what people still so. think of, you know, Oregon. Whenever I talk about East Coast friends, like, so, so do you live on a farm? Yeah, <laughs> so still, I know. After all these years, it still is. Well, like, it's because you get outside of Portland and it's like Goontown, man. It's, well, that's true. That's why, um, you know, I close my eyes when I leave the you know, city limits. Yeah. All my friends, so I live downtown. I've been downtown for 15 years in the same building for like 12. Anyway, I'm like one of those little ladies who can have to pull me out feet first. But so what I don't your... go between the river and the zoo. Well, I, that's me. What I'm was your downtown. first experience with, because uh, you taught the musicians, and I'd be like, and then I heard, um, you know, I, I want to hold your hand by the Beatles, and that's when I knew my future. So what, when, did you, when did you discover what a drag queen even was? Oh, well, interestingly enough, seriously, I was like 18 years old at the Sunridge Club going, that's an ugly woman, and she's huge with green hair, and I just didn't get it, and it really never occurred to me that a man would professionally, you know, for entertainment purposes, put on a dress. Right. And so um, I saw it, and I was like, whatever, this is weird. And then finally, it's that whole, you know, cliche thing. I saw someone that looked like me. I saw three black drag queens that I hadn't seen, you know, and all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, black people do this too, and I want to do this too. And so it was um, that moment. It was just like this little, oh. Now, what is, what is your first, because Richie, as you know, has sort of gone through this transformation, Richie Bristol to Rochelle Crystal. And, oh, I love um, it. 
and uh, sang a, a really fabulous version of Making Whoopi at uh, North Bank in December for his sort of unveiling. Yeah. But it was a series of uh, baby steps, I would I would say, because he's, he dropped a lot of weight and he had this kind of weird sort of kind of Bette Midler on a budget kind of dress thing that he was doing the first time around. But he's, but he's got, oh, here's the poster. But he, yeah, and he's gotten he's got much better about it. So like. Is, what is it you do like the, when you first are like becoming like a, a drag queen? Is it literally that like when nobody's looking, you're taking one of your mom's petticoats or something and like, <laughs> mom, look over there, and then you're like a step, like stealing. What is a petticoat? We are a poor black family in Park Rose. There are no petticoats in our house. Maybe a Mrs. Roper house dress then. <laughs> You know, and she's like, have you seen my pearls? No, Mom, I don't know where your pearls are. And they're like, they're underneath the pillow or something. I mean, you have to, you have to do it. You have to, like, go. You, you do. It is totally baby steps, except because I'm one of those people that I just always think everybody should do everything for me. I, like, glommed on to these professional drag queens, and I said, make me one of you, and they did. And so I got to, I literally went for, like, you know when they talk about, like, oh, I'm so athletic right now. When the freshmen walk onto the varsity team, mm -hmm. that was me, but in drag. So you're, <laughs> like, it's like uh, Rudy or something, but with, like, <laughs> like in heels or whatever. Oh, I, th I was thinking radio, and I'm like, how dare you? Um, no, so, like, the Darcel folks and the Embers folks, they're like, oh, yes, and they took me under their... You know, drag queen wings, and they made me, and it was fantastic. I loved it. So, I, all, Richie and I were talking because you know, now I think actually, I kind of think maybe we're lesbians now. But we were talking about you know stuff, and he's 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 doing it, you know, the step by step way. And I don't have time for all those twelve steps. You just went right from. I just early for me. What are the so what are the like when you do you look at Richie and Richie's a guy who's trying to go from. Because did he tell you that he's also doing this mixed martial arts thing? Yes, he told me. And then he's gonna become he, a cage fighter. Oh no, I love it. And you know, my boyfriend is um, a ex cage fighter. I don't know if it's ever ex thing. And so we were talking about that. What a great similarity. And uh, yeah, I think that's great. I mean, lose weight however you want to lose weight. And if you want to go into the ring and beat the hell out of a stranger, well, knock yourself out. So, so what are the biggest mistakes in your opinion that beginning drag queens make? Like when you look at a drag queen, you're like, that guy has not been doing this long enough. Because drag queens. Beginning baby drag queens think I have to look like a woman, so I have to be a woman. And I currently one of my friends we're helping get together. He's kind of new, and he says things like, "That makes my shoulders look big, dude. You're a man. Your shoulders are big. <laughs> well, I don't have any hips, dude. You're a man. You're not supposed to have hips. So they want to be like, oh, I should wear less and small hair and small. No, drag queens are supposed to be big and fabulous, and and you should take what you have and make it bigger okay. and more. You need to, you need to have a pep talk with Just Richie then. Before we do anything else, all right. Uh, Sarah, you tell me, should we break or no, should we... Keep going. Let's all right, let me just do this. Where is my, uh, where's my Richie Bristol uh, summoning music? Hold on here. Let's see. This is... Uh, oh, are we bringing him in here? Yes, we are. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm so nervous. This is his theme. And this, make, this makes him come? Yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> I'll remember that. Come. <laughs> Richie, come to the studio, please. If you will join us, that would be... I think we're going to need to get the... By the way, I'm still trying to find penis watches for you. Oh, no, I found one in the... You oh, did? I did. There was okay. a, it, and it's a wheelchair penis watch. It's doubly great. All right, Richie Bristol joining us oh now in the studio. How did you come in here? All right. He I, watched these just down the hall. No, I know, but all of a sudden you were just there. No, he's still... He's hated. magical. No, he's, you got to be careful. He's not up on me. No, he's... Um, <laughs> all right, Richie. Okay, so uh, let's just back up for a second. Okay. We'll give a brief hit, uh, history of Richie Bristol uh, slash Rochelle Crystal here. Okay. And by the way, I just want to point out, for anybody, uh, you know, that is thinking the same thing, I'll just, uh, I'll just address this, that this really is the weirdest, greatest, most disparate program on earth, because I think yesterday, we, we, why are you No, I was that? asking him, because the mic wasn't working for a second. Okay. I asked him to tap it. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so yesterday, I think we were having this big discussion about you becoming a cage fighter or whatever, and then we talking about your diet, and so now we are, in fact, back to talking about you in a dress and heels. So that's the sort of inclusive big tent program that the Rick Emerson is. We uh, Fabulous. All the, all the threads in the human tapestry are represented here. All right, so uh, Richie Bristol, when, is, when did it first occur to you that you wanted to be a drag queen? Uh, 19... But I mean, what was like the moment of clarity? I dressed back in the '90s, like '90s, three or four times. But was that like just as a gag, or was yeah, that something you wanted to do? Okay, so but that's like that. so, okay. But You're when did you... to say the first time you saw Poison Waters? Oh yeah, hello. We rehearsed. First time I... But what was like the what was the defining moment? Like when did you say like I want to put on a, a dress and be a drag queen and perform? Uh, probably a couple of years ago. But I mean, what what did, did something prompt it? Is my question. No, I'm watching something on TV. I think. And you're like, so you so they're like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert comes yeah, on, and you say, by God, it's all so clear to me now. <laughs> yeah. And then I met some of my friends. They have, uh, I have some gay friends, and they have some that dress up, and they were just very fun. All right. And you said so they had fun. They partied. And, and suddenly it was, it was as though the veil had lifted, and you, you saw all. <laughs> all right. So here's the thing about Richie is that Richie's on this whole weird uh, crash Except diet plan that's making him kind of cranky and unlikable. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> and and, his, and so because he's simultaneously trying to train to become a mixed martial arts fighter and uh, to be a smaller drag queen, and we keep saying that he's got to just work with his he's body not type. One or the other. He's not going to be a rail. He's just never going to be reed thin, and he's got to just work with with what work with what the good Lord give him. Because he's trying to be like small and petite and feminine, but at the same time trying to beat the crap out of other men. <laughs> hey. There's nothing wrong with beating the crap out of other men. Um, yeah. Especially if, it, if they're in the way of the man you want. So what you need to do is embrace yourself, Richie. You're so darling. So I don't know if people don't know. Richie, I thought you were, like, tall, and you're just this cute little kind of a hobbit guy. I just love you. And, and I just think, you know, you can be a mixed martial arts guy, but just know that you're not going to be a size six. But you know what, by the way? Men shouldn't be size sixes. Yeah, he's going for, like, 150 14. pounds. No, 150 pounds. That's, like, 15 bags of potatoes. Who wants to be that? Me. Well, but no. I get 10 more pounds. See, and I th- here's the thing is, like, I can already see in my head that we're going to, like, if I fast forward to six months from now, it's going to be, you're going to be uh, back there like a Karen Carpenter. I mean, you're just going to yeah. be like a skeleton with, like, a like a wig yeah. on going, I'm fine, Richard. Yeah, and look at, like, a drag queen Pez dispenser. When guys get too skinny, <laughs> they just have this huge head because, you know, your head's never going to shrink, Richard. You're just going to look like, yeah, like a bobblehead <laughs> in drag, and that's just not cute. That really is true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because, nah. it, again, to go back to the, the Karen Carpenter thing, and it it's like this weird... It's like, or like one of those those uh, wacky novelty erasers you put on a pencil. It's yeah. like the pencil and then like the huge the thing head. on top. Yeah, and you're exactly. just like, that's, that's no good. Well, so it's you... 10 pounds away. Yeah, but I... Fine, I, fine, Richie. I'm just Listen. saying. It's not 10, what, 155? No, you're 178. No, I'm about 173. I'm and... saying Kevin's been doing this for a long time. Knows what he's talking about. And all about. I got to do is get to 163 because I can cut Richie, 8 pounds of water. Richie, if you question me one more time, we will never kiss again. Uh-oh. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But you seriously, if you want, if, if this is a person that you respect and admire, and they're giving you advice, it's kind of rude for you to be sitting there and kind of shunning it and be like, "No, this is what I'm going to do." about ten more pounds. I know, but darling. Okay, so here's the, here's the story. Oh, squeeze, squeeze it. that. Whoa. Squeeze it. No, I can't. I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. Here's the story. Do what you want to do. Um, it see your body how you're going to see it, but just know that you're not going to be like a little Barbie doll because none of us should be. We should be men, and when you're going to be in drag. The the most exciting and proud part of being a drag queen is knowing that you're a man inside. Because you don't really see a lot of petite drag queens. That's the thing. They're no. all like these huge sort of. Yeah, Amazon, you don't really want you know. to. No, well, we we, we, we do have one at ourselves who's absolutely beautiful, our little BBJ. But you know, I pinch her when no one's looking because she's so tiny. But that's she's literally tiny. She's like as big as your leg. So people that are that way naturally go for it. But 
Richie. I don't got to get tiny. I just got to get the smallest I possibly can. I mean, right? Okay, that's dead. I don't know. <laughs> and that's not cute either. Well, you know what I mean. Healthily. Original. Your original weight of 8 body pounds, fat. 5 ounces. Let me get back to my original weight. Yeah. yeah. 5% body fat. Maybe. See, but I'm saying, right, that, you know, because a lot of times you'll see uh, drag queens and they are as, uh, there's famous females. Like drag queen Dolly Parton or drag queen Marilyn Monroe or whoever. I'm done right now. You could do drag queen Margaret Show. You're right. You're at exactly the so right size. I'm telling you, it's a niche right there. There's nobody doing it. There's no drag queen Margaret Show out there. I'm, I'm telling you, man. And that's like that's layers. That's layers of marketing greatness. I'm missing. And she's awesome. awesome and she's awesome. So oh, she's you know, there you go. I'm just. I'm just and she's Asian. Food. Hello, food for. Oh, God. <laughs> really? Oh, that's Seriously. my gosh. We're going to discuss this. That's, Please help him. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, we should take a break here. We'll get caught up on the other side. Come back with more from Kevin Cook. Uh, we will uh, speak with Richie Bristol again at some level. Uh, Aaron Duran will join us later on. Video, rodeo, and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We continue around the corner. It's 503-733-2970. Don't go anywhere. Now people are just sending me nothing but Karen Carpenter jokes. <laughs> Save it. Do you want to give us one? I'll read one. Hey, here's the Karen Carpenter recipe for three bean salad. <laughs> it starts off with, well, you take three beans. <laughs> Bada bing. There you go. That's why I'm only going to read one. Well done. All right. I love it. Rick Emerson show really is the pinnacle of American comedy. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, uh, Aaron Duran will join us. We have another installment of Video Rodeo. We have the Happy Valentine's Day or not uh, breakup story of the day and so forth. Is Aaron telling it today? I believe he is. Because, you know, he's just got, he's like David Walker. You know, he's just got a boatload of uh, of awful, horrifying, wonderful, entertaining breakup <laughs> All week stories. we've been telling horrific breakup stories. Oh, sad. Actually, not, not we, more so it's me. It's, it's been Sarah. <laughs> it's been Sarah. I would break up with you. How do oh, you no, think? I broke up with all of them. Oh, but, good for you. Good for but you. But they, yeah. For, for good reasons every yeah. time. Oh. <laughs> okay. Moving forward. Uh, so we're here with Kevin Cook, alias Poison Waters. And I should ask right now, so people, would you, where are you performing now? People want to go. Uh, so my to... regular gig is um, at Darcel 15 in Old Town, the oldest drag club in the United States. And so I'm there every Friday and Saturday, 8.30 and 10.30. Otherwise, I'm booked all over. And you can see my calendar at my website, poisonwaters.com. Do you and spend a lot of time at Hobos? I do. That's where my boyfriend's the head chef at Hobos. Awesome. So when I... he's not beating up people in a cage somewhere and um, <laughs> and being nice to me when we're alone. Um, he's at Hobos. I know, they have the best back patio. Yeah, I love going there during the summer. It is so beautiful. Except it's so creepy because if you want, you can just run out the back and not pay. No, oh, I, no, I don't know. I just, no, I just unemployed listeners. Yeah, I just heard, yeah, come meet me in the back for mac and cheese and we'll go out. And there's, I'm I, a, I, I'm I, so going to be bad when I go in there tonight. All right, there you go. Get your own makeup. Yeah, <laughs> get your own stuff. Say. You know what? I like to tell the drag queens. I learned it from Roxy, their sales partner. I say... Being in drag is just like being a plumber. A plumber needs his tools. You wouldn't go to somebody's house without your wrench and your hammer. And don't come into the drag bar and say, can I have the hairspray? Can I have... Or somebody says, does anybody have any hairspray? I say, yeah, right, Aid. 
Go get your own. I'm so mean. I don't have any patience for people that don't have their own crap. And by the way, so speaking of, uh, by the way, Rouge Foundation, whatever, in just a second I'll tell the, the Coraline uh, thing. Because, well, I'll just oh, go yeah, to I want to hear, the, yeah, I hear the Terry right. Hatcher thing. So... Well, here's the thing is so she's, she's like just, a walking insect. She's like made out of triangles, man. It's just <laughs> weird looking. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, you know what? She's you know she's rich and famous, and you know, so probably cares less than nothing. What you know what I think about her, but. Um, okay, so the, we go to the Corn Line World premiere, and it had, they'd done some screenings, I think, for critics and stuff. And I know, like, Court and Bobby at KUFO, they went and they did, there was a junket where, like, you, they're all, like, in a hotel suite, and you file in and out, and you get, like, 10 minutes with Neil Gaiman to talk to well, him like about how whatever. Scott and, got to talk to Joshua Jackson. That totally. That's the thing. And, like, uh, Henry Selleck and whatever. This is all very cool. And that it was happening during the, during the day, so I didn't get to go to that. So they, um, so Susan Reynolds and CBS hooked me up with the, uh, the premiere last night, which I knew was going to be a, a big deal, but I, I kind of didn't know it was going to be that big. Yeah, yeah. So I go to the Schnitzer, and it's, there's, you know, the whole row of us, you know, you've seen it on TV a million times, there's yeah. the red carpet, and then there's a the whole row of press parallel to the red carpet. And I, I described it as sort of like sitting on a riverbank as the boats go by, you know, you're kind of standing there, <laughs> and they will bring in one person at a time, and they walk down, and you know, down, down the red carpet, and they stop at each press station, basically, and they'll give you about like 90 seconds. And you say, like, hey, you know, what drew you to the project and who your influence is and what do you hope people take away from the movie and whatever. And you talk and, and they move on. So um, so Chris Paddock from KUFO and I and um, and uh, Sheila from Kink, uh, from Kink FM were there. And, you know, and she's there with the camera. And we're all, you know, kind so basically of basically like one thing. person per station was allowed to go. Right. And they were kind of standing there. And they, and they start bringing and they, and they work up from it's like in the Oscars when it's like you know in the, <laughs> the, the award for best assistant sound gaffing yeah. guy that you've never heard of goes to and there's nothing with like a photographer and the technical guy or whatever yeah. and and are they announced is it okay. yeah and there'll oh, be okay. some, there'll be a guy who comes out and it's like when they announce the president for the state of the union he goes yeah. and now we have the assistant caterer and like the assistant caterer and now guy who walked by the studio one day during the filming and then he comes and he talks to him i love it and so the first person of any note that came in was was uh this guy uh, neil gaiman who's an author who wrote the graphic novel and of course i'm a big nerd and so he he comes by and uh, i kind of told the story earlier but i was you know, it's all like you don't want to ask the same questions that they've been asked a million sure, times sure. like you know it, you know so um you like making movies, huh? And so I, I reached way back, and I had all this trivia in my brain about this comic book he did in 1992, and I asked him that and whatever. And he walks by, and then Henry Selleck, uh, the director, came by and goes, he's a big deal because he did Nightmare Before Christmas, sure, sure. James and the Giant Peach, and he's, he's one of those guys that you just know had to be an artist because there's just no way that that guy could work at, like, a Macy's or something. Does he's he just, just look creepy? Not I creepy, but... Look. Not creepy, but... um. It just sort of like kind of a, vi and I mean this in the best way. I mean, it, 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 it's sort of like a, I don't really belong in this world kind of a vibe. Oh. Sort of like, imagine if uh, John Waters had like a really nervous, pale brother that was sort of like fluttering his eyelids and twitching a lot. More pale and more nervous than John Waters? Uh, it, it's like this. Here's what it's like. Henry Zellick is like if Crispin Glover were to be merged with John Waters. Because, you know, Crispin Glover is just sort of like constantly just, you know, it's like you plugged him into jumper cables or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, so he's that. And so I said, I said, hey, you know, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. James the Giant Peach, well done. Um, and I said, is, is it true that your next movie is going to be the stop motion zombie love story? And he goes, well, we're working on it and nothing's really come together, but we're looking into it. And it's like, oh, it's so great. Thanks so much, Henry. I'm a biggest fan. And he walked away. And then we're just kind of killing time. And then somebody's going, okay, well, when is Terry Hatcher? Because she's 
she, the, the two leads, voice leads, are Dakota Fanning and Terry sure. Thatcher. So you don't remember anything of what her dress looked like? I just, I'm getting to it. Okay. So I'm building up. Building so, up the dress. So uh, Chris Paddock and I are standing there. We're just going to be in dorky guys. She's looking around. She's like, wow, hey. And, you know, people are floating in. And, and, of course, then it becomes the whole thing of, like, is that someone famous? <laughs> Every time somebody walks by, like, who's that? Who's that? Who's is that, that somebody? And then you realize you're just like some rube idiot tourist in New York <laughs> staring up at the big buildings and going, look at that. Staring up at MTV. <laughs> hey, Mabel, they got bagels here. <laughs> um, so every time somebody would walk by, I'd be like, wait, is that? No, that's not somebody famous. Is that somebody famous? I can't tell. No, no, no. No, I think he's just refilling the popcorn. I don't know. <laughs> At one point, there was a guy who, I swear to God, is like the projectionist there. He's like some 17-year-old who gets paid $9 an hour to run the movie. Yeah. And I, because I'd been there before and seen movies, like, I somehow thought he was famous. I'm like, look, it's, it's is like that the director? Movie. And he's like, he's like, no, I think he works in the sound booth, dude. <laughs> and so we're then finally somebody says, wait a minute, I think it's Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher, Terry Hatcher's here. Look, it's Terry Hatcher. And so you know, Paddock and I, of course, our heads on swivels, just we turn around. And we see this woman standing up against the backdrop, and it says Coraline and whatever. And we're and we're like, that's Terry Hatcher. Wow, look, that she's she's had some work done. I think she looks <laughs> she looks sort of different. I well, I'm kind of thrown off because her hair's kind of long and sort of like a, it's like a, like honey blonde now. That's maybe it's for a role or something. I has she had like collagen or something? It looks like she's had. I don't know. I think maybe she's had some college. Her lips, like a little more, you know, a little more lip there. Looks like they're a little stretched out. Like yeah. she like tightened her face yes. too much and put too much collagen. And yeah, and we're, we're sort of going, that's weird. I wonder when she had that done. When is this? <laughs> wow. All right. Whatever. And then, but then it starts the whole. Then, but then we think, well, wait. And then somebody said, well, it isn't her. And we're thinking, <laughs> well, wait a minute, is it her or not? And then you start to realize you see people on TV in the movies so often. And then in real life, you have no idea what they actually look it's like. Really them or not. Okay. And then, of course, you skip ahead to the end of the page. It wasn't her at all. It was like some other woman that we never did find out who she was. It was she did, in fact, this other person did, in fact, look like Terry Hatcher as a drag queen because she was like way too much of everything. And the reason we discovered it wasn't her is because then at that moment, the actual Terry Hatcher walked right in front of us. <laughs> and... And, and you're still oogling the other bro. Yeah, and we're yeah. like, who is this weird, like, it looks like Terry Hatcher, but, like, you set her on a radiator and she melted or something. <laughs> and then we go, oh, that's Terry Hatcher right there. And you can tell because immediately it's like all the flash bulbs are going off and everybody's sort of, like, you know, drawing in to talk to her. And, um, and she's just, like, it, it, it's like someone, uh, it's like someone put a hose into her and then put it on suck. And just everything started to, like, and just cinched up around her. I mean, I'm not... Gonna, just skinny bones? Yeah, and I mean, but in a way that, like, not just skinny, like a whole lot of, uh, you've had something snipped away and then stitched back in and tucked up, uh, you know, skin and bones. And just makeup for miles. Like, you would never even... I will tell you this, I, I mean, I stood... I'm not trying to be that guy, but I stood three feet from Terry Hatcher... I have no idea what her actual skin color is, <laughs> tone. Maybe she has pores. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. I, I love have it. no idea. And she has these, like, they're like these just jet black glittering insect eyes or something. It really is like, it really is like what I imagine, uh, you know, your last moments are as you're being eaten by a praying mantis. <laughs> you're sort of looking going... Well, this is deeply unnerving. She doesn't seem to have any color. These are just, it's just one huge pupil. Oh, my God. And now she's eating my thorax. Um, her dress was, I almost feel like I should get Chris Paddock in here to tell part of the story. But um, So, Chris Paddock, if you're listening, feel free to, uh, to come on in and, and sort of, uh, and, yeah, if you would handle the other half of this. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but her dress is you know, ultra tight, and she's got, 
it, it's that thing of, uh, like, her hair looks as though if you blew on it too hard, it would just snap into a million pieces because uh, it's probably been bleached and dyed and yeah, colored yeah. and bleached. And so, I mean, that makes it sound like a jerk. Like, I'm talking this way. It's just she's just very, very made up. Yeah. And you do have this t- tiny, tiny little uh, window into the Hollywood life where you think how difficult it must be really to be a woman in Hollywood where yeah. you are constantly having to just take care of any tiny imperfection. Yeah, the maintenance and the upkeep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, well, I can't Exhausting. even... I mean, I don't know if... This is a silly question. So who do you suppose has more maintenance and upkeep, a drag queen or, or like, a, an actress? Oh, no, an actress, because drag queen, we just hop in the shower and take it all off. Because, you know, we're only seen when we want to be seen, where these folks, they got to look like that all the time. Yeah. Yes. And um, would not want that. No, no, no. And, and so, I mean, her dress was, see, and this is where you're time, just an idiot guy, because her dress was like, <laughs> I don't know, some brown thing. It's like a tan thing that kind of was like around and kind of cinched up. I do remember this. Here's the thing about Terry Hatcher. When we turned around and somebody said, no, 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 that's Terry Hatcher there, and we turned to look, I was actually shocked at how small her waist was. I mean, I literally, I did kind of a double take. I kind of went and pulled back a little. It was, it was stunning. Movie stars are freakishly tiny. When I saw Sarah Jessica Parker, her waist is like that big. Yeah. Like, oh literally. I don't, I don't know how they can even function. It was, it was, and you really, you start to wonder things like, does she eat? Did like, she, like, she disappear eat. when she turned to the side? I, it, seriously. I mean, it was an unbelievable. And was she tall or shorter? Um, to me, I, I think she's pretty statuesque. Uh, no. she was, uh, she was, um, I would say, I'm guessing maybe five, six, five, you know, or so, yeah. five, six, five, seven. I was just, I'm kind of guessing, but I mean, but very, I mean, I, I can't even, Crazy. she must have weighed 103 pounds. Oh, maybe. I mean, she was a tiny, tiny woman. And so she's walking by and Chris Paddock and I are talking to herself. And I'm like, okay, are we going to ask her anything? <laughs> I don't watch Desperate Housewives. How about you? I watched Clark and Lois, but that was a long time ago. Shoot. Maybe ask about the Seinfeld thing. She's tired of being asked about Seinfeld. Don't ask her about Seinfeld. What should we do? And by that time, she was in front of us. And and like <laughs> idiot scared teenage boys, we immediately went and we just looked at the ground. We oh, just no. turned and we just averted oh, our eyes. Come oh, I can't believe What am that. I going to ask her? What would you have asked Terry Hatcher? You're the Hatcher, one who made either. me track down um, Michael Ian Black at a Starbucks in New York to ask him questions. I, I should have preemptively run it by, like, what should I What would you have asked if you had one question? What, what do you ask are Terry Hatcher? Are they real and are they spectacular? See, but I can't, you don't, because then a security <laughs> guy's breaking your arm. You can't do that. Well, what does he look like? That's, I don't mind that. Um, I would, gosh, if I, I've been in a situation where all of a sudden you're just like, then the first thing that blurts out of your mouth is usually pretty appropriate. And I don't think you would have totally fitted her. I would have just went with it. And gosh, I probably would have asked her something like, "How skinny are you?" Or what was, what was the last solid thing you ate? See, you and know? I, you know, and I just don't think. I think I'm just so uh, I, intimidated. Isn't the right word? It's just that you you realize there's nothing. At least for me, sometimes you realize there's nothing you can ask or say. Just ask her about the upcoming season of Desperate Housewives. They've not had a billion times. I guess I could have done that. So what's going to happen yeah. in Wisteria Lane, Terry? And, but, you know, and then I'm like, well, I want to look cool. And then you realize you're never going to look cool because I'm me and she's Terry <laughs> why, Hatcher. And why would you want to look cool in front of Terry Hatcher? Because, you know. Uh, she's Terry Hatcher. She's Terry of the Wisteria Lane women, honey. She's and she was on, uh, wasn't she on Lois and Clark? Yes. Well, and can I, and here's the thing, because I here's something I live in fear of. Here's a little neurosis <laughs> I'll, I'll share with you. Whenever I do anything like that, I live in fear of then being the guy they name check in the next interview. And they say, like, so, you know, what are the downsides of being a celebrity? She's like, oh, God, there was this idiot in Portland over there. <laughs> His name was Rich Imer, Imer, something or other. I don't even remember. Boy, he was just creepy, and he smelled bad. And I just, uh, you know, that's the real downside is dealing with that guy. So, you know, what I should have done is asked her, because, you know, her kid's name, her daughter's name is Emerson. Oh. So I should have mentioned that. But then that would have sounded creepy like I'm stalking the kid. See, this that is why I... Been. Yeah, you don't just... have someone's child on the red carpet. <laughs> hey, I love your daughter and her <laughs> name. Is she here? 
See, that's why I can't. She grows up to and I can marry her. She can be Emerson Emerson. How old is she right now, anyway? So, see, this is why it was better that I didn't speak. I think so. I think uh, yeah, now, just... yeah, now I'm thinking you did the right thing. And then it's like back to back that Dakota Fanning uh, walks by. And Dakota Fanning, Chris Paddock, and I had already sort of huddled about that. And we're like, we had made the decision. We're like, when Dakota Fanning walks by, we'll, you know, we'll kind of make, you know, eye contact for an appropriate amount of time. And then we will turn and we will pretend to have a conversation with each other until she's gone. Yeah. Because yeah. if you are like a 35-year-old guy, there is nothing you can ask Dakota Fanning. And no. there is no conversation you can have that will not look creepy. Yeah, yeah. Because every single person is going to be thinking the same thing. Will you look at that guy looking at Dakota Fanning? I mean, come on. Who does he think he's fooling? We know what's going on there. And right. so she walked by. But I would say um, that she, uh, I guess she just turned 15. Somebody clarified that. Just turned 15. But she doesn't look at me. She look at, and But not in the typical way they say they look so much older. She looks like about nine. I mean, she looks yeah. very, yeah. very young. So, um, and then, uh, you know, and then Brad Bird, who was the director of The Incredibles and The Iron Giant, came by. And, um and then I'll wrap it up. I'll tell my Brad Bird story, and then we'll and then we'll uh, we'll do a few news stories, and then we'll get caught up. We'll do some other stuff. But everybody's been asking me to finish the Brad Bird story. So Brad Bird, who m- most recently did The Incredibles, was a huge blockbuster, and he wrote and directed this movie called The Iron Giant that came out ten years ago, which was didn't do very well, but it's got a real cult following among kind of geeks and, and comic book guys <laughs> and nerds and whatever. And he, we heard that he was there because he went to school with Henry Selick, who was the director, and. So it, Paddock and I are on, like, bird patrol. You know, we're, like, on bird recon. Like, is that Brad Bird? No, I don't know. Where is he? And finally we saw him. And I and I really, that was the only time in the evening that I was kind of nervous. Uh, because it's like that thing of you get the one shot to say the thing. And Sarah has seen me do this with other people. Like, I'm, I've met musicians where she will see me rehearsing. <laughs> what you're going to ask? What you're going to say? Yeah. yeah I mean, Which is always cute because they don't know. Like, when we met Mike Ness. From That's who I'm thinking from social yeah. distortion. And, you know, I rehearsed it. Have you ever, like, who's the most, Kevin, who's the most famous person you've, you've met or you've had to sort of interact with? I met Eartha Kitt. Really? Yeah. And we chatted actually on two different occasions on the same, her same trip. To was Portland. it nerve wracking? It was, but it was just, like, so exciting. I mean, it was, I, I wasn't so much nervous as, like, holy crap, I got to take this all in and every, you know, nuance of it. And I was just, you know, she was practically a drag queen. So I'm looking at her hair and her makeup and her eyelashes. And again, she was this big. Mm-hmm. Talk about something, no disrespect to the, um, Dearly departed, but she was kind of like a little bobblehead. She's tiny little mm-hmm. body and big head and big features and big hair and so yeah. And did you rehearse what you were gonna say? Did you run through it in your head a million times? You know, I didn't. I had a, um, a CD of hers and a and and I had bought in her book that she was pushing, and I just kind of like put it in front of her, and she looked at me. And she goes, "Spit out your gum. You look like a cow." Because <laughs> I always chew gum, and I was like, "Oh, that's, she hates me." Oh wow! I, so I remember that. But I loved her for being honest with a complete stranger. But you know, but now you got to. But here's the thing: is she's passed away, of course. Just uh, I think actually and that's a on great Christmas. Story yeah. now. And, and now you've had a great Eartha Kitt story yeah. to tell. Because everybody can be like, "Well, uh, I really love that song, Centipede." But you can like, "No, no, no! Yeah. I got the Eartha Kitt yeah. story." She told me I look like a cow. That's like the. Uh, I don't have anything quite that bad. I don't <laughs> think in terms of somebody telling me something like that. Although that's pretty great. I did have, I met, uh, I met, I, I, I ran into Ving Rames at one point when I was in L.A., just real, just out of the blue, like on the street corner, and I did like the most idiotic thing on earth. <laughs> he walks by, and this is after Pulp Fiction, so it's a huge, you know, big deal. He walks by me, and I go, hey, you're Ving Rames. <laughs> and he looked over me, and he goes, yeah, and he just walked away. <laughs> and afterwards, like, I am the biggest idiot on earth. 
Um, but so you met her? Did you meet her again? Did you meet her a second time? Well, she was in town um, with Cinderella, and mm-hmm. um, a good friend of mine who used to live in Portland was touring with her and doing her hair and makeup or her wigs and makeup. And she was at the same time um, hawking her book Rejuvenation. And so we were at Powell's at that event, and then the next night I went to go see her in um, Cinderella at the Keller, and so I got to meet her again backstage and. God bless her. I mean, I know I'm a pretty stunning guy, and I expect everyone to remember me at every turn. She just looked at me like I had two heads, and I said, oh, hi, again. And she went, she's blank. And my mm-hmm. friend goes, oh, this is Kevin. She's like, oh, nice to meet you. And it was clearly just a... And I, but I wasn't chewing gum. Maybe I should have had that damn gum. Yeah. <laughs> then she would have remembered. She would have, you. <laughs> I, I've mentioned this actually a couple of times, but I, uh, my friend Todd uh, grew up as a big Aerosmith fan. He had this whole thing about Aerosmith. And I was telling Scott Dadley the story uh, last night, actually, that he had this whole plan he'd worked out. He's like, dude, he's like, one of these days, uh, the next time I'm at Aerosmith, I'm going to get in the front row, and Steven Tyler's going to be on stage. And he's like, I'm going to get his attention. I'm going to wave my hands. I'm going to go like, hey, Steven Tyler. He's like, and then I'm going to set myself on fire. <laughs> and I said, what do you goes, he would totally remember me. Like 20 years later, I'd be like, Steven, I set myself on fire. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, the yeah. fire guy, <laughs> which I guess would really work. But that who, would stand out. Who is the most famous person, uh, Kevin Cook, in your phone or, you know, your Rolodex, your cell phone, whatever? Um... Well, it depends on which culture you're uh, a part of. So Rick Dean Hanian is the um, oldest uh, playgirl centerfold and model, and he uh, is from Portland, the Dean Hanian um, carpet folks, and he lives in New York. And so he, pretty famous um, in my mind, in playgirl world. And so he's on my phone. Of course, Darcel 15, the most famous um, drag queen in the world, Thomas Otto, Dale Pink Martini. Byron, I gotta say, you're also Byron. Being he actually just wrote me a message and saying that he thinks that you sound very awesome. Oh. Really? Did he? Did he? Did he say uh, exactly what he described the show as being like? Actually, Kevin? verbatim, I can tell you. <laughs> Give us the low expectations that he set. Inbox. Wait, sorry. Do do do. Kevin is kicking ass. The show is so gay today. <laughs> He's just being nice to me because he doesn't want me to steal Juan from him. Actually, today, and also, we should say congratulations because today's their one-year anniversary, Aaron and Juan. Oh, oh. For their partnership. Excellent. Oh, my gosh. Well, congratulations. Um, and, all right, so uh, I had something else to say. Oh, anyway, so uh, so I'll tell you my Brad Bird story, then we'll, then we'll uh, probably take a break and we'll get caught up. And then we'll start <laughs> so, so Brad Bird, who's the director of The Incredibles and created The Iron Giant, he is suddenly, it's like the thing, he's in front of me. And, and uh, this is actually the only interview I did last night that didn't get filmed, and I'm kind of glad because I, I froze at one point, and I didn't know what to say, I, which I, doesn't really ever happen to me. I don't get starstruck very easily because, I just, you know, that's why you just kind of got to get past it or you're never going to be able to do anything. Yeah. And I think they filmed me talking to, uh, to, to to Neil Gaiman and Henry Selleck and whatever, but Brad Bird suddenly appeared in front of me, and, and I, I said, uh, I put out my hand, and I said, um, which I always feel uncomfortable doing in a place like that because you never know. Sometimes people don't want to shake hands with sure. a million people, you know, whatever. And I said, hey, I'm Rick Emerson from CBS Radio. And he goes, I'm Brad Bird. And I said, and I opened my mouth and I went, <laughs> and I literally had my mouth open for, it seemed like an eternity, but like a second and a half, just with nothing coming out. And I went, and then I finally, in my brain, like, go, go, you're, you look dumb, speak. And it was like I kicked myself in the back of the head mentally, and I went, I just want to say that you have a singular vision as a director, and I really admire your work, and you have a great batting average, and congratulations on your success. And I have to ask you, is there any chance that the Iron Giant's going to see a theatrical re-release? And I just poured it out, and he, he stopped, and he smiled, and he had this kind of great sort of, I mean, in my head, it's an enigmatic smile. Maybe it wasn't. And he said, um... He goes, well, this is the 10th anniversary of the film's release this year, so, um, and then he paused and he said, so that is, uh, that is certainly possible. 
and huh? I said, that's so great. Well, thank you so much, and it's a perfect film, and you're the great, you're the greatest, Brad Bird. <laughs> Love me. And then I, and whatever, and then I shook his hand again, and then I was just like, and then I did the thing of like leaving. Like, I walked away so that I couldn't yep. screw it up any further. Leave before you blow it. <laughs> and, and then the kink, the woman from kink comes up with the camera, uh, Ro, whose name is Rochelle, actually. Rochelle comes up and she says, uh, she says, hey, by the way, I was busy filming, uh, Sheila talking to Dakota Fanning, so I didn't get you with Brad Bird. And I was like, you know what? It's so great that you didn't, because I just sat there like a gibbering fool for like four seconds trying to get my thoughts together. So and a, so that was great. And then on the way out that night, skip ahead, movie's done, everything's wrapped up, and I wouldn't go to the after party. I was going home. So I, Paddock and I left, and we, we literally walked right into Brad Bird in the lobby on the oh, way out. Wow. And we ducked by him, and Paddock is like, I don't want to do it. And I said, <laughs> you got to do it. It's your last chance, so you're, you'll regret it. And so Paddock did the quick brief, like, uh, I'm, my name is Chris Paddock, and I'm a huge fan. And Thank you so much for your movie. Gotta go. And we both ran to the we ran to the station vehicle, like bolted out of there before we could screw it up any further. That's so. fantastic. All right. So there you go. That's my Brad Bird story. Awesome. All right. Kevin Cook is with us. We will take a break. We'll get caught up. We'll come back after this, ladies and gentlemen. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Still to come. Uh, video rodeo as well as Aaron Duran, the top five, and another Happy Valentine's Day or not breakup story. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. I didn't realize we uh, were back like an hour ago. Seriously. Let me look for Kevin in here. Like, that was other I, I thought I was promoted. I was going to take over. Get your rave on. <laughs> we're here with uh, Kevin Cook, alias Poison Waters. How'd you come up with the drag name Poison Waters? So, uh, like I told you about those gals that helped me out, there was a family of Waters. There was Misty Waters and Rosie Waters. And they said, well, you're going to be a Waters. And you uh, need a one-word name that just kind of stands out, like um, Rosie or Misty. And so I said, uh, I saw the little purple bottle of Christian Dior's poison perfume and i said i came into the club i go i'm gonna be poisoned and they're like that's not really what we were thinking of so they got a lot of flack at the beginning but now it now it's good me. yeah it's good no i and i apologize for like three different times opening my because i was a i was a top 40 dj for a long time and uh, i think several times i had to stop myself from saying and coming up crystal waters because <laughs> i had to introduce that horrible crystal water song well, that 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 I, I had to introduce yeah. it like a thousand oh, times now that when i was even a dj saying that it's going to be in my head all day yeah so <laughs> i Bastard, I'm gonna play it yeah like every 90 minutes for six months i had to play that song so well, people either call me that or poison ivy just i'm like whatever so uh we'll do some news here in a second you were at uh portland monthly uh, for three years so how did i mean did you and then you know layoffs and downsizing whatever sure, did, you, yeah. did you see so, it coming did you know yeah. that was Portland Monthly was very unfortunate, and you know we saw, of course, as the regular recessions kind of coming. It's coming, it's coming, and we we're just like we were like we're doing pretty good, you know. We're sitting pretty up here, and so unfortunately, you know, it uh, as it's touched so many other, you know, the local print media, and not just print. Um, in our 
city. So, you know, eventually it got to us, and we um, had to, you know, tighten the belts, and some folks had to go. So that was unfortunate. That was with us, too, because we had stories every day about the recession and people losing their jobs, people losing their jobs, and then, like, oh, now we don't have a news guy who can read the stories about yeah, it, right. the recession. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it's just kind of like one of those things, like, you start looking around, like, oh, somebody else is gone. Oh, somebody else is gone. So and it's I think, unfortunate. And every single day, uh, and one of the reasons we have, when people are in the studio, one of the, you know, and we've taught, I mean, we've, I've, we've, I've been fired three times, I think, from <laughs> radio gigs in Portland, and, uh, you know, and, you know, Sarah, you know, and I both have kind of a tumultuous history with our employment in this city, <laughs> but we always tell these stories, and when people come in, you know, they want to share their story because every single day there's emails that are like, hey, been a long time listener. And by the way, I got more time to listen because I got fired today. Yeah. We had, was it Dave Schmidtke that told the story about the, 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 the cars? The, all the cars? Up I'm pretty sure him or Todd. I didn't know. It must have been Dave. And I, I think, think it was, was Dave. Coin, I think. I think it was when he was at Coin. You're right. That was the coin story because he said he came up from the basement and then they were all lined up out front. So Dave Schmidtke, who's been on the you know, Portland TV forever, he uh, there was like 30 people at once that got you know got the axe of coin and, oh he, and he said it was just like an assembly line where they had every you know and it was like one guy would hand you the the, the firing papers, the next guy hands you the severance, the next guy hands you like your Cobra information for healthcare or whatever, and then literally in front of the coin tower there was a line of tabs down the street because management had called the cab like send all the cabs you got oh my uh, gosh and it was you know and uh, i mean it was, it was very i mean on the one hand i guess you could say they were trying to make it painless and and, and efficient but on the other hand it's like 30 people in a, in a row to get yeah. their fire and stuff yeah. you know and it just sucks so yeah i mean it's unfortunate that um you know uh companies are needing to do that now you know but i i mean i, I get it and i kind of understand you know when you just got to kind of make see you got to try to look at the bigger picture and you know make the best of it and that's and individually, those of us that have lost our jobs, that's what we have to do, too. So I'm just looking at the bigger picture. I'm, you know, a happy, sunny guy, and I have scales, and I'm super cute, so I'm not worried. Excellent. <laughs> so you just have to have scales and be cute, and you'll be fine in this world, darling. How, how long ago were you laid off? Pretty recently. Um, it was this morning. That's why I was a little late. <laughs> I was crying. No, uh, January 16th. Okay. Yeah. And it is, uh, by the way, and, it's a, uh, and a real compliment and a credit to you that, uh, that I think like five seconds after you got laid off, Sarah and I got emails from several different people like, this guy, Kevin Cook, alias oh, yeah. Poison Waters, got to have him on now. Do it. Storm, Brad, like, yeah. um, oh, that's my so great. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who dig you, my friend. I'm loved. All right. Shall we uh, We do some news here? Like 113? All right. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk. And now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the Ladies news. and gentlemen, Kevin Cook with the news. It's you. Oh, it's me. A 51-year-old man was arrested after he was found making out with a blow-up sex doll in a grocery store parking lot. Family say they witnessed a very they family say they witnessed a very private act in a public parking lot along Santa Barbara Boulevard. Well, that is the sort of place to do this. I mean, really, if you're if you're not going to take your sex doll home, you I mean, I mean, that's uh, if you have to do it in public. I, you it's know. crazy. Witnesses say that he was touching them very inappropriately. So never mind that they were blow-up dolls, but the fact that he was touching them inappropriately. Wait, he was touching witnesses or the doll? The, the witnesses witnessed him touching the doll. He had two dolls in his car, so one was There's enough. There's a picture of the car, too, with blow-up dolls shoved into it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. By the way, I like the idea that even when it's a blow-up doll, the guy's like, no, if I could get a threesome here. Yeah, really? Just, yeah, hey, yeah. Blow-up doll. Do you have a friend? Is she slutty? <laughs> he have says, her come on over. They say he was kissing them and bouncing them, trying to get people's attention. So he really, I mean... Yes, they can bouncing them. <laughs> How do you bounce a blow-up doll? I mean, they are shoved into this car. Well, I mean... They're pretty big in front of a small car. So either the smalls, the car is small or they're really big. I Maybe mean, he's a size queen. I don't know what this... One, 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, I guess one of the maybe the selling points of the blow-up dolls, they are fairly pliable. So. And Richie, does have, Richie himself has, in fact, a Sarah Palin blow-up doll. Do not tell me that. Oh, no, he has a full-on, dude, he has a complete... He stores he has, money in her. He has, let me, let's, <laughs> we'll back up for a second. I'm sure he's not the first person. So, d- during the during the campaign, you know, we were just, you know, Sarah Palin was just comedic gold for us. Oh, absolutely. And uh, one of our proud sponsors, uh, Taboo Adult Video, had in stock, I think about the same time Larry Flint put out that Palin porn video, or no. the Nail and Palin, whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs> he, they, they sent her to Sarah Palin blow-up doll, which in reality is just like a regular blow-up doll that, like, they put her face like on, on the front of the package or whatever. But it's like it's just regular blow-up doll. But we came in here one day and it's like it was gone, and we're like, where did that Sarah Palin doll go? And then Richie, I took it home. And then later he revealed that he stores, uh, if he has large amounts of cash, which he often does because he doesn't trust banks right now, he stores it in a very, um, in, a, in, a, in, in the most private of places, uh, in, in the holiest of holies, uh, in the doll. In, in her vault. Yes, that exactly. Crazy. See, now, now I'm, I'm so worried about Richie now. You know, I came in here so filled with love for him, and now I just want to reach out and help him. Here's the thing. <laughs> See, somebody helped you, so maybe it's your time to, to, this, to give back to But they didn't help me because I was using a blow-up doll as a piggy bank. And the pe- Oh, oh! There's a picture of Richie in the. Oh. Richie, what are you? What is that you're showing? What are you showing, Kevin? It's a oh God! Of... It's a picture of Richie in the blow-up doll. I don't want to what see that. What are you that. doing? They kind of look alike. It's. I don't wish to see that. No. No. Super cute. That's okay. See, so this could be Kevin. This could be a thing where like the pupil becomes the teacher. Oh my gosh! I. Because here's the thing. But Kevin that... already does do a lot for the community. But, As but, but, one sheet. But, but no, Richie could be my new god. The thing you got to know about Richie is we and, we, run. and we love Richie. Don't, 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 don't misunderstand. Richie's one of the best things that ever happened to the show. Absolutely. We love him. But we love him enough to say this. He's kind of, he's crazy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking so now. Yeah, I'm so. thinking so. He actually was in a mental institution for a while. Yes. Cool. He was I locked know, away right? at one he point. He so many layers. That's where he started cross-dressing with those little gowns that they just tie in the back. That's yeah. that's what did it to him. And then yesterday, just out of the blue, uh, he's like, oh, and I was bulimic for a long time. And I'm <laughs> like, really? And, you know, but I don't have an eating problem. Look away. Oh, all very interesting. I all, right, uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, more news with Kevin Cook. Okay, so I'm ready for this penis watch because I've been waiting all morning. I, I don't even know what a penis watch is, but I'm watching now. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start to melt. Okay, hold on. We'll let this. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Excellent. Anytime you have an enormous penis song, you have to really like give that space. Oh my gosh, I love it. All right, here's I want, a, I want that to be my new um, ringtone. And uh, here's Kevin Cook with what I'm sure will be a very tame and radio-friendly penis it watch. It is. I'm, I'm going to keep myself in check. A Des Moines, Iowa woman told police that a man in a wheelchair exposed himself to her in a parking lot of an apartment complex. The 20-year-old woman was dropping off a man at the apartment complex at 1.15 in the morning. Suspicious already. Mm-hmm. The woman told police she saw the man in the wheelchair in the lot. She asked him where he was going if she could give him a ride. Because we all walk up to strangers in wheelchairs and say, can I just get in my car in the morning? morning. Hey, uh, I'll take you anywhere you're going. (laughs) And so he allegedly wheeled himself over to her car, locked his wheelchair, then lifted himself up on his one leg and exposed himself to her. Wow. Well, that's almost (laughs) impressive. (laughs) Well, he wanted to say, I I have two legs. And he said he then thrust himself against the driver's side window. The woman reported the incident about 20 hours later. (laughs) 20 think, hours later. picking up a guy with yeah, one think, leg in a wheelchair at 1.15 in the morning. And I think she liked what she saw. And 20 hours later, she said, I should tell somebody about this. They called the police. And that's just I wonder what happened between like the penis showing and 20 hours are, later. Cops are speed dial number one on her phone. And that was the... the I, I do like the idea that it took her 20 hours to go, I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> that, that she was just agonizing about whether she... 
but he pushed himself up into one leg and then was able to expose himself, which, yeah. again, is that takes some wherewithal if yeah, you're, uh, and, if you're and, handicapped. And even at 1.15 in the morning, he had the wherewithal to lock the wheelchair so it wouldn't roll away. This or he could have gotten really weird. You know, hey, a, it's not, a responsible flasher is a good flasher, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> one must be your car. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to lose the other leg somehow. That's just no good. So. I love it. Do we have time for one more story? And this is kind of penis-related. Yep. Oh, well, excellent. Then we'll, then we'll close out the penis one. Yes. This one's called... Branding victim tells her story. A combination of underage drinking, peer pressure, and a bad personal decision has taught an eight-year-old woman some tough life lessons. The victim of a branding incident which left the image of a male genitals burned into her skin shared her story with the News Daily with hopes that it doesn't happen to others. It doesn't happen to it others. Let's just clarify that right well, now. She, well, you know, she's taking her experience, and she just really wants to keep those other, you know, underage drinking girls from being branded. Well, she should just hide her secret branding <laughs> penis shame and, like, not tell anybody. Well, no, she can't. Hide your she, secret branding <laughs> penis So here's shame. what happens. The long story short, she's drunk at this party. The one guy who they say in the story has a long record with the police. So, of course, you know, he's the one that you want to take advice from when you're drunk. He says, let's, let's brand you. And first of all, who brands people besides, you know, animals, whatever. So they brand her. She's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And he says, we're going to put a smiley face on your back. So, of course, you can't see wait, what they're doing. Wait, wait, no, no, we have to stop. There's so How much trash I, that. No, I'm so confused. I thought it was a thing where, like, she wake like, like it was they had her, like, I don't know, it's like she's all gagged up and they're like, well, now, now that she's unconscious and tied down, let's no, brand her. No, she, she was a little liquored up and she thought, well, no, I shouldn't. And then they said, no, you shouldn't. She said, okay. <laughs> well, that's one I thing if your girl. friends are trying to get you to go to Taco Bell later. At night, but if they're going to brand you, you think about that long and hard. When I lived in Whidbey Island, when I was in like eighth grade, girls, you know, like the tougher, like thug girls, would all take lighters and light the metal, and then like brand right there on their hands because it looks well, kind of like a smiley face. I just don't get that. I don't I get it. That's no. foolish. So she thought she was going to get a smiley face. Well, this clever, <laughs> this clever drunkard, he burned the heck out of a bobby pin. And if you think of the shape, no, it's a. Oh, he's actually oh. coughing. Oh, a real No, you didn't do anything. Oh, I, thought, I didn't even say anything. Bad. No, that's great. No, <laughs> about I was... the Bobby Pin burnt penis. And so, so she says in the story that she still didn't know what was going on, and she actually got sick because she smelled the fresh, the flesh burning and the sizzling, oh, and she so smelled long. it. And so, mixed with the alcohol, she um, threw up. And then when she woke up the next day, she saw that she had a penis branded. So, do they have a picture of, of the penis brand? The, sadly, they do not. But they do um, confess that they're from Ontario, California, which quite honestly explained That's everything. so unbelievably I just don't understand how they did it. So did they bend the bobby pin into, like, a penis shape? Apparently. I just, and they just, just I fired that sucker up and went, All right. Let me just see if I can... Please forgive me. <laughs> got some water? Oh, yeah. um, I just opened my visa. I'm sorry. I just... Yeah, I got, like, um, um, dry mouth. Well, this studio is, like, a thousand years mm. old. All right. Yeah, just... have some dust or something. Um, okay, so let me understand the chain of events. <laughs> She's at the party. <laughs> She's had somewhere between one and 500 drinks. Yes. The guy said, hey, Janice, you know what would be great? And she says, what? And he goes, oh, we could watch a video. <gasps> no, 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 we could brand you. <laughs> and then she says, oh, I don't know. And he said, no, 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 it'll be great. And then she says, well, maybe just this once. <laughs> And then she's, but what are you going to brand me with? Well, I got a lighter and a bobby pin, and we'll we'll hold you down so you don't so it's so it's straight. Don't worry about it. And and she says what? And he goes, a smiley face and my penis, but my smiley face. And she says okay. She lets them brand her, and then when 
does she realize that it's not so much a smiley face as it is the male member? The next morning after she's woken up from vomiting on herself and her <laughs> shoulder is really sore. And she feels, gosh, that really hurts. And then she looks. And here's my thing. I, clearly, there's a difference between a penis and a smiley face. Wouldn't a smiley face mean she needed like three pieces of hot metal instead of just one big yeah, one? Yeah, like two pokes and, and like a scoopy thing? <laughs> two, two pokes, pokes and a scoopy How thing. How come she can say two pokes and I get bleeped for anyway? Well, because it's pokes with a bobby pin, Kevin. <laughs> it's all about context on this program. Hot so with a bobby pin. I... So I love the idea, though, that as you put the next day, she's like cleaning the larger chunks of vomit out of her hair. And yeah. she says, I don't know, it's kind of a tingling sensation. Not so much here or here, but oh, my God. Well, as you can imagine, um, she um, regrets this. And, and, really? And, well, not, <laughs> she didn't really regret it until she realized that she had um, her the, the dirty bobby pin burning her flesh. Um, she got infected. and she had Oh, God. Go, she had to go to the hospital. It, it's really bad. But um, my favorite line is, I have grown up a lot from that experience. I, so I, now she's um, 19. I just <laughs> with a penis just, on her shoulder forever. Yeah, the, uh, the oh, I, that, I, I question the fact that she has grown up a lot. That yeah. rings false to me somehow. I, I, you know what? Richie's fine. I need to go to Ontario, California, and find this penis shoulder girl and help her. Seriously. All right. There's your. Uh, we'll play the closing theme. Here's your penis watch. Wow. I didn't expect that story to unfold that way. Neither did she, presumably. No, she had no idea that's how it was going to end. Everything is going my way. You know, and here's the other thing about you know, does you ever see somebody that gets a tattoo and they regret it and. I guess, like, some tattoos they can't laser away because, like, there'll be people who get, like, they'll get something else over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, like Nikki Six uh, from Motley Crue. He had this V because he was dating, um, uh, what was her name? Uh, the, um, not Apollonia, but the... the Vanity. Vanity. Very well remembered. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he was dating Vanity, so he had a big V put on his shoulder. And then, of course, the inevitable breakup and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So he had it changed into... He put a, uh, another Roman numeral and changed the V to, like, a six. You know, Nikki Six. Oh, and that was clever. I think Johnny Depp. With Winona to Wino. Winona to Wino. So you didn't have the whole thing taken care of. But I guess sometimes, yeah, sometimes you, can't get it taken, you can't get it removed, so you have to augment it. And so with this, like a scar, that's a difficult thing to get rid of. So really the only solution is just to brand her a whole lot more, right? Yeah, and, and, and make a bunch of penises. It'll look like a flower. Like I was going to say sunflower. Yeah. That's exactly what See, I was going to say. Know, I know. We're, you and I are very... Forget, Kismet. Forget Richie, you're my new boyfriend. Excellent. Well done. I'm going to put that on my MySpace profile right now. <laughs> but a penis flower? Rick is... No. Oh. No. The fact Rick, that Rick, he's boyfriends with Poison Waters now. Rick is secret boyfriends with Kevin Cook. <laughs> All right. I'll get a Facebook account Dude, just to announce that. <laughs> and a little confused, but mainly flattered. And burned. And burned. burned. My flesh is burning. Let's do another news story, shall we? Uh, do you, well, so, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't want people to think I'm a pervert, but there's stories about boobs and... No, no, no. I, uh, just for the record, I pulled all of these stories for you. Well, let's do a, let's do a non-perverted one, then another perverted okay. one. We'll make it like a perversity sandwich. Oh, gosh. Okay, so th this one isn't perverted. You're going to think it is, but it really is about um, medical um, research. So, breaking new ground in what may, many surgeons consider the next frontier in minimally invasive surgery, oh, Yale God. School of Medicine, and Yale New Haven Hospital surgeon successfully performed an appendectomy with no abdominal incision. How did they Wait, do that, oh, Kevin? Can hold I... on a second. They, an app, uh, that's the removing of the... Of your appendix. Of your appendix. And, and, 
slice you. How do they typically do that? Well, they, they catch, I have like a three-inch scar um, just to the uh, right of my belly button. And nowadays, though, people that have, because that was like uh, 20 years ago, nowadays when people have it, they do like this laser thing where they just go in with two holes and suck it out. And so people now just have two <laughs> holes like a snake bite. Like it's alien, but instead of a creature, it's your yeah. appendix. Suck it out. And so like my little scar, not so big deal. Then even not less of a big deal is the two little holes. Well, now, because people really don't want any scar, do you know now how they are taking out the appendix? Wait, do I get the guess? Um, Through the nose. No, I can't think of anything. I mean, because you're... Where is your appendix? It's it's to the left of your belly button. So they take it out through... uh, Well, I would say through your belly button then, because that's a small... Right? Because there's already a scar there. Rick... I don't, don't think you know you... about babies and umbilical cords and all that. If you open your belly button, everything's going to fall out. Yeah, you can't do anything for your belly button. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. The, the list is growing of the people I have to help, for the love of God. Okay. So here's the story. The clincher to this. The, the appendix was removed with a small incision in the patient's vagina. Yeah! Oh! Yeah, so if you don't scar, but you don't mind doing spread eagle and having them go through wow. your vagina to poke around and find the appendix, they're going to suck that sucker out and stitch you in from the inside. So, okay. Yeah, see, that was an inverted story. We Jesus. all learned something. That's that, medical. That's so really I awful. If I need to get it taken out. I, I think it's breaking technology. I think it's just this whole... I feel so traumatized just no. by these last few stories. You know, These we, are medical stories, these by the way. These are medical stories. This is know, actually... That story was from a medical I, journal. Can I see that story for a second? I'm going <laughs> to... You're going to save that sucker? No, the best part, the best part about it is... I mean, here's the thing, and I'm re- this is from science, uh, ScienceDaily.com. This is a, a news story that we are reading this here in the real uh, deal. news section. Science Daily. Uh, so it's an invisible incision, uh, no damage, the uh, minimal post-operative pain, immediate return to normal activity, and it says, by the way, it says it's one of many procedures that they can now uh, perform. Using, you know, that area of your body. So, Sarah, if you want to get, like, rhinoplasty or something, apparently you just uh, pants off and then you're done. Let's see. There may be wide applications for the removal. Would you like to know, Sarah, the list of things they can remove through your most private places? Because of the ease of recovery and low risk of complication, which rings false to me almost immediately, it seems like there's a lot of complications. Yeah, I don't... Want somebody just rooting around in there for everything? And by the way, <laughs> but you have an invisible incision; no uh, one will be able to see it. And let me <laughs> just say that ninety-eight percent of all the complications on Earth, medical or not, come from that. Uh, really? I mean, that's where all the problems in this world come from. Oh. I mean, even the ones started by men are, you know, from that. So, this is true. Uh, so I'll just—it says here, chief of the Yale School of Medicine, Department of Surgery, said invisible incision is, of course. The surgery of tomorrow. tomorrow. There may be wide, so to speak, applications for the removal of other organs, including Sarah, removing your gallbladder, removing your fallopian tubes. Oh. Why would you say that? Because it's in this news story that I'm reading as part of our... Well, why, how is that one breaking news? Where else would you go to get those suckers out? <laughs> they should... Okay. They should them. have to do that through the ear or something. Yeah. You're totally right. I wonder if these start as like barroom bets. Yeah. Like, look, I got to take out her lung. Now, What? how much will you give me if I can do it through her left nostril? All right. You're buying the next round. Let's see. Uh, also, Sarah, removing your... Um, uh, you know, your ovaries. Oh, stop it, Rick. No, no, no I'm going to read one more here. <laughs> She's dead. Unfortunately, oh, he says, 
grab them. And this is something Kevin uh, touched on. He said there is not a comparable approach for men, at least for the appendix. However, listen to this. Uh-oh. One could insert a telescope through the mouth and stomach and make a small incision to reach the abdominal cavity, uh, cavity and appendix. But he says... This, of course, would violate... Here's a phrase I don't ever want to hear used, especially... <laughs> your mouth? But here's why they're not going to be pulling my appendix out of my mouth anytime soon, Sarah. Because it would... I'm going to give you now a phrase. This is on the list of things I don't ever want to happen to me. The reason, Sarah, they're not going to be pulling my appendix out of my mouth is because it would... violate my gastrointestinal tract. And not in a sexy way. Oh, would it start like, make, like dissolving it? I with stomach don't acid? know like, the answer to that, and I'd I'd prefer that we just stay in the dark about that. <laughs> Violations come in many forms. Yes, we, they do. We, so. we may never know. Let's do one more, and then we will uh, we will take a break here. Okay. Uh, now this one is very exciting. More, um, you know, research breaking news. Um, ambidextrous folks may have harder time conceiving. Really, people who are mixed-handed. <laughs> Those who are able to use both hands with equal dexterity may have a harder time having a child than righties or lefties, a new study suggests. Now, here's the big surprising part. Researchers found that among more than 9,000 Danish couples... Why is it always in Denmark? And they're all, they have nothing... What are they, just all rats over there? You know, the, all, are the Danish just guinea pigs? It's it's all they Denmark do. and Sweden is the other place. Because I guess... Isn't Sweden where it's... Is it Sweden where it's is it like three months out of the year where it's just light all the time or something? <laughs> So do they just do tests? On isn't there some people? country? There's some country where, like, for three months, like the sun never sets, and so what are you going to do? It's like you can't really nap, so you just, uh, well, I don't know. Let's, uh, hey, Bob, uh, is that your appendix? Hold on, open your mouth. Well, so. I, I want to go over there. So they, um, uh, the, the nine thousand couples in which one partner was mixed-handed, and the other was, uh, and the others were ambidextrous, and they watched them do it and and figured out which ones could conceive which ones couldn't. It's like, how would that even occur? You're right. Like, how would that even occur to you? It's like you've run out of other things yeah, to like, study. Like, um, sorry, but who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Seriously, what is the point? Yeah. Well, I guess that's... Because you can use both hands. Maybe you shouldn't be using both hands when you're... So if I don't want children, then I should try to start to learn to write with my left hand. See, because that's the thing. Because then it'll be a whole thing of, like, they'll start strapping your left hand down as a kid so you can... We want her to be fertile. Tie down her left hand. <laughs> See, so that, that this... The, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to Denmark. I'm going to do my own research. So you could probably get a grant. Sounds like you could get a grant for anything over oh, there. Oh, you're right. For you know, the get a stimulus package. I'm going to Denmark. Get a, a grant in fabulosity. <laughs> Making sir. some money over there. You know, my mom went to school. Uh, well, for part of her childhood, actually, in in Oregon, she went to school in um, uh, uh, Mount Angel, and she was. I don't think she was ambidextrous, but she was left-handed. And you know, my mom was. You know, my mom went to school in the in the late late 30s, early 40s, and she's old enough to remember they actually like they took a leather. Strap or whatever, they tied her hand down. They just did not want people yeah. with, to be left-handed. No, because that's the devil's hand, Kevin. That's what they told her. <gasps> Left hand, that's the hand of Satan. And my mind just went naughty. That's yes. good to remember. All right, we should uh, take a break here. And so, uh, and, and we have uh, Brentley, who's going to be doing the video rodeo. We have Aaron Duran. Um, so, uh, Kevin Cook, so uh, do we... How do we want to do this? Maybe sir? we can do a couple more stories on the other side. We'll come back. Do and then do you ever want to come back? I'd love to come back. Oh my gosh! So I'll tell you what. We come back uh, a few final moments with Kevin Cook. Then we will have Brentley come in for video rodeo. Then Aaron Duran and uh, and so forth. So it is already one thirty. It is Friday. The show is speeding by. We will return on the other side with more amusements, ladies and gentlemen. Stay right there. Indeed, 
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, Chris Paddock is in here during the break. Back me up on the Terry Hatcher is insect woman thing. <laughs> Poor and I, Terry. And I guess her dress is white. I don't even... I, but her eyes are the color of hate. <laughs> We're here with uh, Kevin Cook, alias uh, Poison Waters, and PoisonWaters.com is your website, yes? That's right. That's correct. Are you performing this weekend? You know, I, actually, I'm entertaining. Entertaining, it's I'm different sorry. different than performing. <laughs> I'm yes. just kidding. I'm... So mean. Uh, yes, it's ourselves both uh, Friday and Saturday, 8 30 and 10 30. And then guess what? We're going to, I can't say it right, Iwaco, Iwaco, Washington. I have no idea. You like go to the Oregon coast and stop at the water and then you go up to Astoria and then you cross that bridge that goes in the water and then you end up in a little town in Washington and a gay couple bought the, the little town's church, steeple and all, and they turned it into a bed and breakfast, and they've hired their self and company to go do a show, and we're performing in the sanctuary, and people are going to sit in the pews. That is fantastic. I can't get to hell fast enough, apparently. <laughs> As Homer Simpson would say, that is sacrilegious. And we are going to be there on Sunday, so come on over. <laughs> we will, uh, I think it's like a, a waka, isn't it? Like, I, you know, Washington is full of stuff. I grew up yeah. there, and I can't pronounce half the yeah. crap in that state, so. A wacky, wookie, wookie. Okay. So do you want to hear my next story? Yeah, we'll do like a couple more here, and then we will uh, bring in Brentley, who's going to be subjected to a horrible video, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so obviously I'm here because I was recently laid off, and so these two stories have a theme. They're about um, layoffs. So one of them is just kind of funny, but not funny. So GM is offering buyouts to all hourly employees. So apparently they have 22,000 retirement-eligible hourly employees, and they have offered them, get this, $20,000 in cash and a $25,000 car voucher. I am all over that. I am, too. Sign me up. The money. Isn't that Seriously? crazy? Yeah. I mean, but can you imagine, like, so 22,000 folks, that's a lot. Well, that's, I mean, it's all of their hourly yeah, and employees. and they'll, they'll yeah. let as many, you know, whoever wants to go for it. And you have until um, April 1st. Well, there's a, there's a lot of people who are like those, where they, like, perma-temps, where you're working just, you're like, you're not a full-timer, but you're working just enough part-time hours that you exactly. can't get another job, really, exactly. but not enough to get benefits or benefits whatever. And all that. Exactly. A friend of mine who works for the uh, for the Nielsen Company, and she's been doing that for years, like 37 oh and a half hours gosh. a week or whatever the hell. So, that's yeah. crazy. That's crazy. So, I'm like, uh, I'll go to GM. Give me a what is it, half a car? How much a car is? How much I don't a car know. Is seriously, <laughs> I guess that's a good point, actually, really. Uh, can I take the front third of an Escalade or whatever? Great, oh, those thanks. Those teeny, tiny little smart cars are so cute. Could I get a clown car with this? Because yeah. <laughs> I have to put my blow-up dolls in, so I need a little extra room. <laughs> okay, so this one is so this one is so sweet. Um, a 16-year-old student went to a job interview instead of the hospital after he and a schoolmate were stabbed yesterday. Staff at the West King Vets Veterinarian Clinic said the Central Commerce Collegiate student showed up on time for his 1 p.m. co-op placement interview, but when he Employees noticed blood on his leg. They called the police. He did really well in the interview, and we were very proud of him for sticking to his job. The teen, the second 16-year-old in this... Oh, that's the sad part of the story. So his friend's oh. not doing so good. But anyway... Um, <laughs> but he got halfway through, an, and everyone else is dead. I'm like, oh... But he got he's, he's, so he left his dead friend. No, <laughs> but I need to get to the ER. I've got no, a job because he really wanted to get a job because nowadays Look, no I'll one's come back working. for you after they hire me. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I skimmed all these stories. I'm like, okay, I got to read to the end to make sure it's all right. And this is the one I didn't. Well skim. done, Kevin. How do you feel about yourself? Where's your God now? <laughs> Go on the high. <laughs> and goodbye. And everyone else in the orphanage was killed in the fire. <laughs> he says, I can't even see with my tears. Oh, blah, blah, blah. oh the um, they're very. Does it say he was diagnosed with cancer too? No, no, and then his puppy was run over by a paving machine. Because <laughs> I'm going to end on a good one. He said he did really well in the interview, and we were proud of him for sticking to the appointment. Said the guy who interviewed him, but he wouldn't say if the student will get the job. Oh, that's not. <laughs> 
his friend died and he didn't get the job. And then he left the interview and was raped to death by a clown. And so, just blame Byron and Storm. Don't blame me. I can't believe this is happening to me. Way to end on an up, Kevin. Fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, oh uh, Kevin God. Cook, thank you so much for coming. Thank man. You, you sounded really good. Oh, we'll have you awesome. back. Oh, that's the funniest thing ever. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Poisonwaters.com and uh, entertaining. It will be entertaining. Entertaining this week. Don't you dare say performing. It's entertaining. Right. And people are going to be like, oh, gosh, I hope that kid. You know, the next time you go for it, if you ever go to a job interview, this is going to be in your head, man. <laughs> this story is going to be in your head. All right, excellent. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, sir. Kevin. All right, there you go. Bye. All right, Richard Bristol is now bringing uh, listener Brentley into the studio. There you and, the uh, All right, Brentley is joining us now. We'll go ahead and uh, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get you some headphones there and have you sit in front of the microphone. All right, hello, Brentley. How are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you? Rick? All right, I'm good. Uh, we'll have, go ahead and we'll do me a favor. Get right up on the microphone there. And uh, all right, excellent. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. All right, all right, Brentley. Hi. I love that guy. Wow. He has right. a space on his business card. Seriously, and he was actually crying at the end of the story because he. Here's the great thing about that, guys. Oh, he, cool. The story about halfway through has suddenly has the end, everyone is dead, which immediately triggered gales of laughter, which then triggered that made tears. That me cry. That was hilarious. The best part about that whole thing that just <laughs> happened... I didn't get the job, and he left his dead friend. ...is that he didn't see it coming, that he didn't pre-read the story that far. That was worth the whole thing right there. Genius. All right. Man, I think that went really well. You know, he's good. We'll have him back. I, well, you know, and you never know. I mean, not that I expected it not to be good, but, uh, you know, there's people we know, and there's people that, you know, that, that are, you know, that we have not met before. And mm. sometimes, as we've found out in the past, it can be a little bit of a mixed bag with people whom we don't know. He, uh, he was really good. That's poisonwaters.com, by the way, if you want to. totally want to go talk to, uh, see him. Kevin Cook. Look how pretty he is. Yeah, he really is. All right. Well, not going to look. Fills me with jealousy. All right, Brentley. So uh, you are here for another exciting installment of Video Rodeo. That's right. And by the way, if everybody wants to uh, play along, and I know you do, you go to rickemerson.com. That is rickemerson.com. Uh, and uh, or you can go to myspace.com slash Rick Emerson, and the subject line of this is not safe for work. That is the name of this posting, not safe for work, and you see the link to the video there. So here's the deal. Sarah said the video is like 220, it's two like, minutes. Yeah, about Two and a half minutes long. All right, and so we have uh, we will have something nice from the uh, from the AM nine seventy pile of crap here if you can make it all the way through. Okay. I don't know what that is, but Richie assures me it's wonderful. Did you see me? Get, I'm, I'm sorry, I got thrown off during his first story because I looked out the window and he just did it again. And Fat Boy is out there with his mask. Oh, with a Jason mask. I, I just see him and he's standing out there just looking in the window. Creepy. It's really creepy. Yeah, Bobby's standing outside an adjacent Voorhees mask for reasons that are sort of that's the kind of thing that'll get HR called. You know, it's acting on stage. Maybe. It's and he's just talking. Out. And that's what's creepy, so he's talking normally in it, too. See, that's the thing that'll. You know what it is? Like, like, hey, what's up, sir? Are you, are you drinking some coffee? That's cool. That's right. the juxtaposition, is creepy. It's like in, uh, that's like in Rushmore, where there's this word, like, what's his name? McManus or whatever it is, the, the, the Scottish kid, and he's got the Jason mask on for no real reason. He's just sitting there whittling a stick in a Jason mask. Fisher, what's up, you bastard? And he's just got, like, a Jason mask for no reason, and no one ever addresses it. That's what makes it hilarious and creepy. All right, uh, so, Brentley. Uh, are you prepared to watch this video? Oh, this should be a piece of cake. Do you have any idea what it's about? No, I have, have you no watched idea. it before? No, I went ahead and waited to see if you guys wanted to do this. Okay, right. you promised, Bentley. Oh yeah. All right, so here's the deal. Go. Uh, what we're gonna do is uh, we will um, we will maximize the video, but we won't start it. And we're gonna have you stay on the mic. And the only where is it? Uh, it's the thing at the bottom says fling.com. Okay. Yeah, it's not here. I just reduced it. I told Kevin not to uh, not to close it. Oh, maybe it's gone to something else. Hold on. It must okay. have just... Uh, hold on one second. There we go. It's... Uh, all right. There you go. Oh. All right. There I you go. Away. Don't worry. I didn't uh, see anything. All right. Hold on. So much. 
Okay, so the deal is, uh, the only uh, the only requirement is, obviously, uh, don't scream out profanities and uh, don't describe what you're seeing, because we like for it to be a surprise for everyone, Bentley. All right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can watch along if you'd like at, uh, you go to rickemerson.com, or I'll just tell you the URL is glassass.com. That is the URL, glassass.com. All right, this Bentley, are you ready? Be good. No. no, it's not. No, it's going to end badly. And okay, and three, two, two one, go. Uh, oh. That's what I'm saying. That is pretty bad. Yeah. Keep watching. All right, so Brentley is now uh Brentley is watching. Really? He's now watching the video. And he is uh, taking it in. And he is uh I Oh was, no. That see there you go. That's oh. esca that escalating right there. Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? How messed up is that? Oh. Ah. Oh. Mhm. Mm Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, your mouth is not oh. even closed for like 30 seconds here. Oh, wow. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh. Shaking his head left to right as though trying to wish this away. Wow. I'm told that you'll never be able to get this image out of your head, by the way. It's pretty bad, but I mean, I have seen, I've seen some pretty bad stuff already. So, I mean, it's pretty bad. Don't get me wrong. But. Now, Sarah, you know where he is in the video time-wise. Would you say that he's at the worst part? I mean, has the worst passed? No, it hasn't. All right, so it hasn't peaked yet. So there's. Oh, really? So Brentley continues to watch video rodeo. Oh my God! Uh, uh, flinching, pulling back now from the computer screen. Sarah actually has walked away in disgust. Sarah yeah, made it all I the way through, of course. <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is a one-time thing. Yeah. But you, now, are you going to be telling other people they have to watch this? Oh, yeah. yeah I'll get right somebody. There. I told you. Excellent. All right. How that close are we to the end? Morbid curiosity. Uh, we're, uh, we're about one minute left. Yeah. It'll end. Is this anything like you expected? Um... Did you have any idea what you were in for? The beginning was Not entirely. Part, yeah, the beginning was what I expected, and then m more of the way through. I mean, oh, man. <laughs> see, that's what I like. Just See, this is what I like, the, uh, the escalating layers of horror. Now, you it always, really is. It continues to just kind of get worse. This is like the uh, Oh Holy Night song, where you think it's peaked, and then he just... Oh, I missed that song. I look forward to Christmas every I year mean, that. seriously. Now, I've been told that what you're watching, by the way, is real. People have analyzed it, and they've said wow. that it is really? real. This is not no, no, fake. No, no, no. I'm just going to pretend it's fake. Now, the know. two girls one cup, I'm sure that was fake. Yeah. But that, that, there, okay, it's over. All right, there you go. There is no way that's fake. All right. So let me ask you this. On a scale of one to ten, ten being the worst thing you've ever seen and one being puppies and rainbows, where do you put this? I'm going to have to put it at a nine. Nine? Yeah. Where's two girls, one cop the first time you saw it? Uh, That was only about a five or a six. That okay. really wasn't that bad. All right. It really See, wasn't. See, that stuff just grosses me out more. I don't... Really? I... Ingesting... That things. Oh, it just, just looked too fake to me. I mean, everything looked really fake. It yeah. looked like ice cream. Really, this seems very honest. real, by the way. This so, yeah, got to be Rick, real. Well, at some point, you're gonna have to watch it. All right. Um, no, Rick. Why do I have to watch because it? Because being a pop culture guru, you have to know what the kids are talking about. And see, now Brentley and I have this special bond because we've both seen the video and you haven't seen it yet. Uh, but this could be like a. Maybe you and Aaron can watch it together. But you know what? The butt nude. Uh, no, 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 dude. Well, if, if, as long as you know we're not touching each other, it's not gay. It's okay. Uh, I think it might be enough. This would be like Twilight, though. I didn't actually have to finish Twilight. I just went to Wikipedia and read the you know the synopsis. I'll just wait for you know what it is, Sarah. I'll wait for the summary to appear on the internet. I'll uh I'll wait for it to be uh 
If I give you a summary off the air, will you watch it? If you know what to expect? Well, no, because, I mean, that might make me even less... Because if you said, look, it's a man uh, who, at the end, you know, is... uh, Whatever. It's a guy who takes out his eye with a fish scaler. Like, that might make me... Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I have no idea, so I might... I might say, well, no, no, now, now I'm definitely not watching. That could almost be worse. Yes. All right. Well, you made it all the way through, though. You did watch it all the way to the end. Congrats. You're a braver man than I am, Gunga Din. So uh, good for you. All right. Thank you, sir. Right on. All right. Richie Bristol, uh, they, Brent, uh, Brentley made it all the way to the end. So uh, we should find something bright and shiny for him uh, from the AM 970 uh, pile of crap. And so uh, Richie will uh, let you know what will be better. On the, on the off chance that... Uh, Richie, will you, will you, yeah, will you do that? And, uh, all right, that'd be, are you, yeah, were so. you like getting all casual now that Kevin's gone? <laughs> Richie's taking off his tie and he's all like unbuttoning his so shirt. You don't dress up for us, Richie, it's just for uh, other men. Oh, wait, you're a man. Uh, Can oh, you believe it? I dressed up for you. All right. When have you dressed up for me? Um, this is the most dressed up you've ever been, by the way, at work. Yeah, not Richie. in a dress. Yeah, this is like the most you've ever gotten gussied up with. He's more Kevin. dressed up now than he was even for our, um, Photo shoot. For the photo shoot. No, uh-huh. that's true. So that's okay. That's fine. All right. Well, let's take a break here, and uh, we will come back with Aaron Duran and uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into amusements. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up before the end of this hour, we have uh, Happy Valentine's Day or not. Uh, another breakup story from the audience, uh, augmented by one from Aaron Duran, who will join us here in a moment. It win a $75 uh, gift card through proflowers.com if it is your story. And we read. So that's coming up. Oh, we'll also tell you where to, there's a handful of remaining Friday the 13th tickets, uh, Monday's screening. We'll tell you where to pick those up as well. Let's see. Uh, what else? We did the video rodeos. We've got that. Um, we'll talk a bit about the Battlestar Galactica, which is going to be showing tonight and so forth. Like us at 3, Michael Mara show at 7, Phil Hendry at 11, and whatnot. Plus, we've really neglected the calls, and I feel bad about that. So, yes, we um, have, like, for the past, the, the whole week, I think. It's just, uh, I'm an ass. we got to commit to that. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm an ass. Rick? Yes, hello. D- don't do it. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> I made it about 30, I think 34 seconds in. Don't do it. Oh, no. the, oh the, the, the video. Ah. No, don't. Just, just don't. All I'm right, physically let's... shaking right now. Oh. I can, I, rotten.com, two girls, one cup, laughable. Laughable. I am, oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. I see what you're doing over there. You stop that. Okay, but but he hasn't. You have to stop that. Don't. I don't know. 
All right, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Miss. There was a, there was some chicanery going on in the uh, studio. What is, uh, you have to ease down, Ripley style. Okay. Um, okay. When when did you watch that? Um, probably. I probably finished watching it about a minute thirty seconds ago. Okay, a minute thirty seconds, and so the video itself uh, is you know a couple minutes long. How how far did you make it in? You said before you had to just uh, pull the ripcord. Uh, uh, no more than forty seconds. Forty seconds, and uh, I would say that you well, first of all, Sarah made it all the way through, but Richie Richie made it to about I think seventy seconds or something, and uh, and I think. I got an e- I think my friend Chris Sneed an email me and he's like, dude, five seconds, and I was out. He's like, as soon as I saw where it was broken headed. Broken inside of me? Well, <laughs> well <never laughs> inside <mind>. of you. <laughs> never mind. But no, because I really just don't. It's. I mean, it's gross, but what? I mean, that big of a reaction. Let me let me ask you this, uh, Miss. At what point? How long did it take you to, for it to become clear what was going to be happening here? When when did you realize what was going to be taking place in this video? Um. I'm not sure what I can say, so prepare to hit the um, well, 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 button. How about this? Instead of me preparing, no, 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 because I could, she was doing that thing of, here's just as a little side note if you're a caller, don't do this. Don't say, hey, get ready to dump me, because what I'm going to say is don't do those things. Wait, here, let me just say this. I'm just saying uh, uh, how many seconds would you estimate it was before you figured out exactly what was going to be kind of going down? Uh, full insertion. Well, when the when the thing happens, it's probably about like 20, 25, 30 seconds. When the train was going toward the tunnel, Rick, I suddenly realized. All right. Well, in any event, so you are physically shaking now. Uh, yeah. It's uh huh. It, mm-hmm. I I tried for a little while, and it um the the, the puddle of blood got to be too big. <laughs> okay. These, by the way, this is like refrigerator poetry for the video, and I love it. It's insertion, puddle of blood. Uh, somebody said that was the worst. Yeah, that was bad. Let me just that say this. Bad. Okay, here's another phrase. I got this is this one I pulled from my uh, from my space book comments this morning. Somebody said, uh, you know, Rick, the thing that got me was the vague rustling sounds. That's what I couldn't take, and that's uh, I heard I heard the, the tinkling like ice in a cocktail glass. And tinkling, by the way, is not the verb that you're thinking it is uh, right now in this video. So, all right, uh, the question is, are you going to show this to anybody else? Um. I have one friend that I think she's a corrections officer for the for the county, so she's seen a lot of horrible things that I'm kind of thinking that I might tell her. But we kind of have this unsee unsee joke, and so I'm thinking that I might just might just spare her. Well, yeah. maybe save it. Keep it in your pocket till she's done something to annoy you. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, unsee, unsee. Okay, deep breaths. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good weekend. You too, Rick. Bye. If it's possible, try to escape the darkness. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, hey, Rick. Hey. Uh, Did you by any chance get a hold of the Alanis Morissette albums that I gave? Oh, yes. Uh, So, yeah, the the first two... Panic, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be watching it, Paddock. I'm not watching it. All right. This is I, I'm not watching Chris it. Paddock's in the studio. We're trying to keep your eyes on Molesty for I'm now. I'm just listening to the conversation. Did you get those Lannis Morissette CDs? I got for you. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. And then the puddle of blood and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so the, I've, been on the, I've been on the lookout for the pre-Jagged Little Pill of Lannis Morissette records because her record label famously tried to buy them all up and have them removed from the market so that her, like, bad girl image couldn't be sullied. <laughs> uh, and so uh, were those, those were dropped off. Did you drop those off for me today, sir? Yes, I dropped them off this morning, and, uh, man... Track nine of the first album, just titled Alanis. Oh. Is it, just, please tell me she's rapping. Prepared, yes. <gasps> My name when? is Alanis and I'm just 16. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, it's it's so oh, it's gloriously horrible. It's like Dee Dee Ramone meets um, meets um, Brian Wilson. I like what I'm hearing. All right, excellent. I'll be sure to give it a listen. We'll spin that. We'll spin that hit on Monday, sir. Hey, a, a really quick question. Um, what about Tom? What about, it's like a what about Bob, but with uh, zero goldfish. Well, it's, uh, I'm going to be getting uh, probably some of those. So I'll tell you what, uh, be listening Monday. We'll have, uh, we'll have more details Monday, sir. Okay, thank you. All right, sir. there you go. Good All time. right, it's like, uh, it's like without Richard Dreyfus. Oh, ow, and I just hung up on whoever was, I'm sorry. I just hung up on the other guy who was on hold. Ah, my apologies. Well, that's a good time to do this. Hello, Aaron Duran. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. All right. You seem, you seem a little off today. Uh, I've been working outside all day. Oh, is it is it still raining? Uh, no. It was pouring uh, like uh, last night or this morning. When I was miserable no, this morning. My company had us. We planted trees in Forest Park, so I'm all covered in mud. I thought stuff. you worked for an insurance company. I do, but to to look good, they send us out once in a while. Like, look how we help the community. Because hey. you're green. Well, um, whatever. All right. It was either Good that for you, or... though. That's nice of you. Yeah, or it's nice of you to do what the company orders you to do, Aaron. No, well it was done. voluntary. Thank you very much. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. so I thought it was like a whole, like, this is like, you must do this to look good for them. No, no. I got out of sitting in my cubicle for oh. eight hours. Oh, hey, no, you are a good person. Then. Well done. All right. Uh, so I don't even know where to... I don't know what to do. I don't even know where to begin. Well, uh, so we should do this. We should say, uh, before we do anything else, we'll, we'll have Chris Paddock join us in a moment, and we'll talk about last night's Coraline screening. Uh, and uh, then we'll talk about um, uh, Angela Lansbury and so forth. Before we do that, though, let's have, uh, if we can make it, actually not on that, at, Chris, if I can just have you swap, uh, yeah, spaces with um, somebody, a very special guest who's going to join us now in the studio. And let me angle oh, that, that right shirt up is there. Awesome. Did you see her shirt? Yeah, her Sarah, shirt rocks. It, joining us now is our good friend Sarah from Puerto Rico. Hello, how are you? Hi, everyone. And so you called us uh, two days ago, something like that? I think it was on Tuesday. And you, uh, so you flew from Puerto Rico to Seattle for, it was like a work thing or a job thing? Yes. And if, if I can have, what, what kind of work do you do? I'm a software engineer or a Microsoft partner, and I was coming up to the Microsoft campus for a global summit. I was going to say, here's a silly question. If you're like a software engineer, it seems like they would just do all that stuff online, like it would be a virtual conference or whatever. Yeah, but they believe in networking and people you know, speaking with other partners around the world, and it's really boring. I mean, yeah. Well, because, because really, the whole time, aren't you just kind of waiting for, like, Steve Ballmer to come in and break something, you know? Uh, we did have a little bit of a trouble with a presentation that the software crashed. Really? Oh, that's, yeah. that's hard to believe. I'm I'm shocked by what I'm hearing. I'm sorry. I don't mean to disparage Microsoft. Uh, were you, wait, you weren't at that thing where Gates released all the mosquitoes, were you? No, I wish I was, because oh. that was cool. Did you hear that story? Yeah. So Bill Gates, I don't even know what the presentation was or why he was doing it, but Bill Gates, because, you know, he and Melinda Gates, the Gates Foundation, they uh, they do give, I mean, they give tens of millions of dollars to charity and in developing countries, and one of their big things is helping to fight malaria, which is like is a big deal in the rest of the world, I and mean, it kills people like, just by the score. And whatever, any problems, anybody, whatever anybody says about Microsoft, people have problems with Bill Gates, or they think that Microsoft is evil, or, you know, whatever. Uh, the fact is that Bill Gates has given like $400 million to charity, and you haven't. So, I mean, that's – so he wins. But he did this thing, and he was trying to make the point about malaria, which is spread in many cases by mosquitoes. And he had this – he brought up this huge jar, and he goes, um, so I'm Bill Gates. And, he, ah! and then he just opened the jar, and like mosquitoes flew everywhere. And he, he said something effective like, uh, you've just been attacked by mosquitoes, but to some people this happens every day and whatever. And that was like his whole thing. 
Which then unfortunately led to a lot of message board threads about how, like, uh, that's not the first time that Microsoft has given me bugs or infection <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Or that, like, virus, you know, something. But uh, anyway. Actually, my blood. to make the story a little bit more detailed, he actually said, I can't believe that companies spend more money in bald uh, drugs to combat baldness than in fighting this disease. I guess it's because rich people suffer from baldness. Well, let's see what they do if this rich people. That's, see, that's oh, so great. Genius. And I love the idea that it's nothing really high-tech. It literally is just a jar of bugs. Yeah. You know? So, God bless him. I love Bill Gates. Bill Gates is, like Steve Jobs, they are both God and the devil at the same time. <laughs> it's like if you could somehow merge them, you would have one super being. Um, They're like Two-Face. Exactly. <laughs> it's Tomax and Zamot of the computing world. Oh. Uh, so you're in Seattle, and you called us and said uh, that you were going to come down for Battlestar Galactica, which is tonight uh, at the Baghdad, uh, 10 o'clock, live, with Gordon Fatboy, no charge. Um, and you were like, well, so I'll see you there. And I said, well, you come by the show. you got to say hello. And you're like, oh, I just don't know. I have so many things to do. I have to go see the guy throw a fish and whatever. And, uh, and so I pulled out uh, the ultimate. I pulled out the ultimate geek leverage, Sarah, which was what? Do or do not. There is no try. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Try to come see your show. So here, so here you are. Is it all that you imagined? It's even better. Yes. So the and I, I, I probably have asked you this before because you, you call us from time to time. How is it? How did you discover the show? Um, it was actually through Storm Large. Rockstar Supernova. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Yes, I joined when I saw her at Supernova. I was so enthralled by her that I joined her message board. And they were discussing how you were doing, like, weekly recaps right, right. of the episodes. That was so fun going to Dante's and watching all of those. And so you've got a great shirt. So it's like the Subway Eat Fresh, but it's Zombie Eat Flesh. Yes. And so is the zombie, like, is, is the zombie renaissance, is that in Puerto Rico as well? Is it a truly worldwide um, phenomenon at this point? Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much... Um, Trying to get people to actually train because I know it's coming. Oh, that's the that's the thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. People can laugh and they can say it's just you know, theoretical training, but we know the difference. If they were trained, Puerto Rico set up pretty well to hand it off. They could kind of like Cuba. See, okay, here's I gotta. So, okay, we're, if we're gonna talk zombies, let's just do that for a second here. We'll let's have a little zombie talk and then um, then we'll uh, talk Coraline. Chris you want to maybe hold yourself to ninety seconds, Rick? No, I do not, <laughs> bastard. Um, Why not, Rick? I mean, I'm sure you can get a lot of you know of your thoughts in to that in 30 seconds or 90 seconds. What? Well, you wouldn't expect that from oh, somebody sorry, else. I, I mean, I... if you weren't, if you wouldn't do it for yourself. I'm just going to make the observation. Can we talk about Left for Dead for the next 25 minutes? I could. I, know I can do you it right could. now. See, the thing is, I, and the thing is, I actually can't because Sarah got the button, so I could actually. <laughs> like, let's do a simulation of if I tried to take over the show. Sarah, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about, and you'll shut up because I'm. The... That's it. So that really is where the power actually lies on the program. I had somebody ask this, Aaron, about AZ. Yeah. This actually a really good. This actually is a good chance to talk about CBS Radio Theater, which is coming up uh, this Sunday, 6 p.m. Yes, it is. It's two back-to-back live radio dramas. Uh, it is uh, Kimmy Waters and the Songbirds of Sing Sing, which is a um, detective noir thriller set here in uh, in Portland. And the way I put it is, it's like it's like black and white. Uh, it's like black and white uh, radio in that it's very sort of again very noir and yeah, very yeah. kind of classic feeling. And uh, Sarah Moon stars as Kimmy Waters, which is a thing she's done a few different times for the uh, 48 Hour Film Festival, for example. And then the other half is AZ, uh, which is an ongoing uh, serialized radio drama about Portland after the zombie apocalypse. And And I I feel like I should apologize now for this coming episode. I got to tell you, dude, no lie. Uh, (laughs) This, and I mean this sincerely. I started uh, getting texts from people that are on the show. 
getting like, dude, what is wrong with you? Yeah. I'm telling you this, and, and 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 I'm not just doing this for for shock or for effect. Uh, there's going to be a warning before this one yeah. that says the listener's discretion is advised. And, and so moms and dads, uh, you know, it's not. I mean, it's not like this, it's not like it's R-rated or whatever, but it's but it's it's dark. I mean, it's it's yeah. you're you're wrong. There's something really broken in your head. Not in the same way that it's broken in Sarah Dillon's head that lets her watch that video all the way through. You're broken in a different. Yeah, I couldn't get through the video, but I could. But I can kill people by the score. So, oh, so, you, so you have tried to watch the video. Yes. Yeah. So I okay. was. Here's the thing. So I was at home and I got a copy of the new AZ episode, the script. Uh, uh, episode uh, was it three? three? Episode three. So I'm sitting there and I'm reading the AZ script and I'm in the I'm in my office at home and I'm sitting in my uh, sitting in my big uh, armchair and I'm reading along and Lara's out in the other room and she's watching like. I don't know, she's like watching the Gossip Girl or something, and I'm just kind of, you know, one page down. And then I got to, mm. I, I, I got to this, I got to page whatever in the script, this, where the, the thing happens. <laughs> and I said, and I actually put the script down for a minute, and I just had to sort of shut my eyes and go to a little happy place for a moment. They did not go there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, for, I just had to set the script down, and I actually did this. And I realize that I'm not really doing a good job of, you know, like saying like, stay away, don't listen. But I, <laughs> because it's it really is great. It's wonderful. It's just so, it's just so dark. So I got to page whatever of the AZ script, and I set it down, and I actually walked out into the living room for a second. And Lara paused the TV, and she said, "What's up?" And I said, "There's something really wrong with Aaron and everyone involved with that zombie thing." I said, "It's just," and she goes, "Bobby also helps on the script." Oh but yeah, no, he's story is, as he yeah. stands outside in his mask, in a Jason Voorhees mask, with you know, like sharpening a knife and staring at Sarah's neck. Oh, as uh, long as he leaves that mask on, I just call him Mr. Voorhees. It's what it Jesus. is. But I, um, but I, but you know, but Lara said, "Well, what do you mean? What's wrong with the AZ?" And I said, "No, there's nothing wrong. It's just dark." And she said, "What do you mean?" And I won't reveal it here, obviously, but I gave her the brief overview. I said, "Well." They've just gotten to a scene where blah, 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 blah. And then she kind of pulled back a little bit, and I said, do you want to read it? And she goes, no, no, I, I don't think I'll read that. I, uh, it kind of makes it feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. No, thank you. Yeah, so you're, uh, yeah, you're effed. There's, uh, but, but, so just real quickly, though, people have asked in AZ about right. how some of the survivors are on Ross Island. Okay. And I myself take issue with that because it seems like if you're on Ross Island, there's nothing to stop, uh, you know, the, 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 the living dead from just walking out of the river right at the river bank onto the island. Well, you're right. There really isn't anything to stop them. Now, I didn't, I didn't write AZ from the point of view of people that have studied the zombie survival guide and have memorized every George Romero movie. These are just everyday people that all of a sudden, crap, we can't get out of Portland now. What? Right. So, yeah, these aren't a bunch of, you know... It's, it's, these aren't a bunch of Left 4 Dead and D&D players that all of a sudden, our moment has arrived. Oh, I see. So these are these are people who maybe uh, before the whole thing happened just weren't smart. versed in the, nah. you know, they're just regular folks. Yeah, they saw a patch of dry land that was theoretically cut off from the rest of the city and thought that would be perfect. Okay, now see, that actually makes total sense. No, that resonates with me is absolutely true. Yeah. All right, well done. Excellent. Um, we do have an episode coming up that will feature the uh, those that are schooled in the art of zombies. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I can, I, and just I'll tell uh, one more thing here, and then we'll uh, talk to uh, Sarah for another moment or two, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk Coraline and Aaron. Do you have a breakup story to share with us today? I didn't know I was gonna, but yeah, I, don't worry. I, can. I mean, you're like David Walker. You've got a million. I know yeah, you. Aaron do. and I talk about. Yeah, we've known. I each might actually years. give my very first heartbreak story. Excellent. Yeah. So whenever I've been telling mine, he'll always send me something. Like whenever I'm down, Aaron will send me some hilarious breakup stories. I know he has a ton of them. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna give anything. Uh, I won't give anything away uh, about about AZ except to say. Um, let me ask you this, Aaron. I'm going to write something down, and I don't want to be a spoiler. Can I? Can I just say? Yeah, the last time you spoiled the low, and then we didn't even get to use them because the, the. Can the I say this? Died. Can I reveal that this is used? 
I won't say the context. Can I reveal that that is you? Oh, yeah, we recorded that live. Okay, that well, I know. That's the thing. Okay. Because that is one thing. We couldn't do that part live because you'll find out here. So here's here's something that you ought to know uh, about this upcoming this episode of AZ. Um, there is at one point the sound effect of a baby crying. And I'm not going to give any context. I'm just going to say there's a sound effect of a baby crying. So I'm here two nights ago, sitting in my office, pa, 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 typing away. Wah, wah, here I am. It's, it's creepy here at night, P.S. Yes. After doing the puncture last week and, like, leaving here at 9 p.m., I'm like, I do not like this at night. And, like, going yeah. into the parking lot. And there are, you know, fewer people here these days, so the building's kind of empty, kind of cold, kind of deserted, kind of dark. Kind of apocalyptic. Big steel doors and, like, boxes in the hallway and, like, things. Ugh. Yeah, occasionally homeless people staggering homeless through people. the parking lot, rooting around. Yeah. yeah. I've, it's more than once I've found a homeless person in the front hallway. So I'm sitting typing away at my desk a couple nights ago, and there's, like, a knock at the back door. And I go, and I go, and I, I open the door, and it's Jason Crump. And, uh, you know, vanished from photography and director of AZ. And he's holding a baby. And, uh, which is his, by the way, not like he stole it, <laughs> to the best of my knowledge. Children. Well, I mean, who, it seemed like he was holding a stolen well, I mean, who am I to, I mean, look, I, I didn't fingerprint the kid, who am I to say? He ate his own twin, we think he's going to stop him from stealing another one. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> once, you know, the thing is, once, you know, once, you know, once, you can't have one, you can't stop, I, yeah. It's like the guy with the eyeball, Aaron, once you do, once you acquire the taste. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, so he so he comes in holding this, you know, the baby, and and I said, hey, uh, what's with the baby, Jason Crump? And he goes, oh, he's, I need sound effects for AZ for this Sunday. And I said, what do you? And it was in the baby crying. And so apparently we had to be really quiet though, because the thing is, the baby and it's Jason's uh, yeah, newborn new- daughter Scarlett. Yes. And she's asleep, right? She's absolutely. Uh, you'll forgive the you'll forgive the pun. She's dead asleep. And so Aaron uh, or so Jason is like, okay, now here's the thing. You got to be really really quiet. And what we're going to do is. We need the sound of a startled baby crying, so we're going to take her into the production room. I need to make my daughter scream. That's the thing. He's like, he's like, he's like, okay, now I got to get my daughter to go from crying to shrieking, like without any ramp up. So be really, really quiet. And I think it was Bobby standing there and whoever and Scott Daly. And I said, I said, well, you know, but how, you know, how do you know that you're going to startle her? You know, how will you know that your baby is going to be startled? And Crump looks at me. Jason looks at me. And he mimes. <laughs> he mimes like the kind of shaking baby motion. It's sort of like, with, but with sort of a surprise, kind of like a, ha, da, 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 you know, and I, she'll scream. And he's, and he's like, no, 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 she'll scream. <laughs> and so here I am then, fast forward to about five minutes later, and I'm back at my desk going, God damn, this is a creepy building. And then what do I hear coming out of the production room about five minutes later? I hear like a, ha, and then a baby begins crying, and it was the, and I packed up my crap and I left. I'm like, I cannot be here while they are making a baby scream in the other room for a zombie play. I cannot be part of this. But she gets credit, so it's gonna be the cutest thing ever. Well, there you go. I can go on a reel. Yeah. <laughs> the minute the baby scream. Well, it's necessary. Yeah. Well, see. that's the thing is, like, the baby was asleep and they needed the sound effect. But that's she's like, you have to be really quiet. We have to get a natural scream from her. So I'm gonna startle her in front of the microphone. So yeah. So then there's me typing email in my office, and I hear this like. Ah! And I was like, I am leaving. <laughs> I cannot be in the building while they are making a baby afraid for a microphone so that our audience can enjoy a zombie drama. That is, like, awful. <laughs> so, by the way, when you listen He's to this Sunday's AZ, of the year. know that baby <laughs> Scarlet suffered for your entertainment. <laughs> hey, she's named after G.I. Joe figure. She's tough. Uh, th- this Sunday's episode of AZ is made from the fear of little children. <laughs> All, right. All right, Sarah, you're going to be at Battlestar Galactica tonight. Sarah from Puerto Rico. Yes, I am. Look for her in the bitchin' shirt. Yeah. And her uh, Gryffindorf scarf. So we should say, last week's episode, 
Unbelievably righteous. Jeez. Um, Starbuck two-fisting the guns. And high two-fisting the guns, which is great. And I would say, I would concur with Kelly Clark uh, from Willamette Week, who sent me an email about this, where she said that it was the first truly great episode of Battlestar in as long as she can remember. And I agree, by the way. It's been amazing. It was really good. That's the first, that's the first episode that I can unreservedly Get behind. See, in, in like a year, probably. Did you hear when Veer Hayden, were you there for the Q&A afterwards? Yes, yes, when he was like getting the geek. Uh, to well, no, and then well, the best part, and I wish they hadn't cut the scene, that when, uh, here comes some spoilers here. Last, this is last uh, week's episode last of Battlestar. Last week's episode. When uh, Adama shoots the, the one guard, mm-hmm. that uh, right with the director yelled cut as they're walking past the dead guy. Right. Almost stops again. Points a gun to the ground, shoots him again. One more time. Yeah. And they yell, cut. Director's like, Eddie, that was a bit much. I wanted to make sure he was dead. <laughs> so great. I'm like, why did you cut that? That sequence, though, of Ty, uh, Saul Ty with the two guns, one in each hand, and he's like, kind of turned. Like, oh, it was two-thirds poster. Two-thirds profile. Dude, it looked like a poster. It was like they were like, Battlestar, the game. Ty. Yeah. <laughs> Ass kicker, you know? He's all beat up. He's got the patch. And, and it's just the game of Saul Ty. Badass. And just yeah. right there. It was so... And the last finds the Domin's like, you know, Colonel Ty, it has been a pleasure serving with you. That's a freaky almost you just did there. Uh, yeah, I'm a big almost fan. I've always been able to talk like him. That was a little creepy. That yeah, because that Colonel Ty, has been a true honor serving side job. But like Ty, but like Kurt, like Thomas only got the pistol, but like Ty's posing like, like Wu style with machine guns. You know what? Here's the thing, and I think I speak for a lot of... 90 seconds. <laughs> we will talk as long as we need to. <laughs> I will teach these kids math if it is the last thing I do. That's right. Um, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, like the thing that a lot of guys, not just guys, but the thing like I as a guy am a sucker for, because guys are so into the whole like honor and whatever. Oh, yeah. I am a sucker for any, and Ghostbusters does this, a, any any variation on the it has been an honor serving with you. Like as the enemies are breaking oh, yeah. through the door. That will make me like, it's got chills right now. Oh, just yeah, it's Titanic. When they play up until like this. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's been a pleasure playing with you, gentlemen. Oh, see, yeah, like right there. Oh, see, I got chills mm, I just thinking about that. Man, if Ty dies, and I'm, I'll be surprised he survives this episode, he better go down shooting. Yeah. I want him going. Oh, oh Sarah Naylor, though. Starface Come kick and, it. And I used to know the name of that band leader, and I can't remember his name, but the actual oh, that, real life that guy. Oh, so dapper. But the, because, you know, he's play, cause he starts playing, uh, he's playing Nearer My God to Be. Yes, and you see, and it's the slow motion, and the captain's going to grab the wheel as the water comes rushing in. And, you know, the other guy, and he's like, gentlemen, what does he say? Gentlemen. It's been an honor um, playing with you this evening. And, and you know, here's the thing about those guys. Uh, you know, it's like all you can really ask for in this life is like when your when your numbers up, like you go down, you go down with style. You know, and those guys, you know, the band they weren't going to. It was not, not like they had there a choice. No they they were going to die. They, they, mm-hmm. they couldn't be saved. And so by all and by all accounts, that is a true story. I mean, every survivor has said that they heard the music until the ship went under the water. And oh, stop it! Oh, and I'm just saying it's like how badass. Like that is. And I mean this in a general term, but you know what I mean. That's like that's you want to go out like a man. That's how you do it, right? You want to go out like Vasquez. You always were an a-hole, Gorman. Totally. I mean, but like even in Ghostbusters, you know, where you go see on the other side, right? You know, Doctor Vigman. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's so great. And there was a great moment like that in Battlestar. Um, The thing about Battlestar uh, last week that finally the thing that it's so that made it so great to me because I've had real problems with that show for for I mean it's so great but I mean relatively speaking I've had real problems with the way they've taken the show is that last week it turned it re, it returned to what it always should have been in my mind which is a series about being at war yeah and that doesn't mean it just has to be nothing but raptors blowing up but I mean it's a bunch of people 
locked into a, a confined space under prolonged wartime conditions, slowly going crazy. And I think, and that's what it turned back into. Yeah, and I think some people have kind of forgotten. There's still a whole other Cylon faction. Oh yeah, that. They, you know, like you know, Dom is like there will be a reckoning. Well, there's a whole bunch of yeah. silence out there that still need to kick their own parent, and, their own people's butt. You too. know, it's like if I saw, if I had to see Starbuck have one more goddamn vision about something. It to me, the show almost became. It was like if halfway through Aliens, Vasquez suddenly started seeing a spirit god. It's like I don't care. Get back to show me a gun. Well, Starbuck's back to being a cold-hearted. Yes, that's the thing, and that's what it was. That's what it's all about for me. It is a it is a milit- It is a show about being at war, and that gate is going to bite it. Uh, he's got to. They got to. They got to. And I don't, want him, I don't want him to try to redeem himself. I want him to squeal like a like, like Here's a, my prediction. Like a, like he a has no going back. My no. prediction is he is going to try to redeem himself, and Zarek's going to plug him. I hope so. Um, I hope Zarek survives. He's such a bastard now. So we'll, we'll wrap it up here in like five seconds. We'll take a break. Uh, Sarah from Puerto Rico, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, and it means, and I mean this really, all kidding aside, it just means so much that you, uh, and I'm not just speaking for me, but like you're here for Battlestar, you know, for Court and Fatboy, and that you would... Uh, Take my juvenile taunting seriously enough to come here and actually grace us with your presence. It means, all, and that, and that you're in Puerto Rico and you listen to us. I mean, it really is just so great. Thank that you. That is really cool. I I gotta say, thank you because it's here. Listen to you every day. It's like being surrounded by friends. Well, thank you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's been an honor playing with you. Uh, all right. By the way, my prediction: they're all Cylons, all of them. Uh, Every forgotten. single last one of them? Yes. That humans uh, are also Cylons, but shades of Animal Farm, where the animals forget their animals. Humans uh, are Cylons that have forgotten they are Cylons. And so it actually, it seems like it's two factions of Cylons fighting. It's three. It's really three. The humans are robots that have evolved so far. They have forgotten they are robots. That is my prediction. I'm sticking to it. I'm waiting for the big centurions to show up. Remember, because they found those giant heads on Earth. Yeah. No, they, they oh, the ones head. on Earth. Yeah, yeah. they're the remnants. Oh. Uh, Sarah from Puerto Rico, final Battlestar thoughts, predictions? Um, well, I'm just very glad to see Laura back in her full... And getting yeah. it on. Budget. Yeah. And sexing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. Excellent. <laughs> and, getting the um, I actually believe that it's going to end well. I mean, I, I, I see reflections of um, the pre-Christianity journey mm-hmm. uh, for the silence, the, the conversion that's starting to happen with the humans like the Romans of old did uh, with Christianity. So so I'm thinking the remaining factions of the Silent that are not willing to give the humans a chance, they're, I think they're going to go down. So it, en- it ends in some sort of a uh, like a redemptive arc, though. Yes. All right. Except, by the way, I should note for the record, I wasn't saying that Jason Crump was shaking his baby. I'm no, just saying no, he, no, the no. startling motion he was miming for us was very much like a boogity-boogity kind of a thing. Because so. I'm pretty sure it's illegal. No, you... Well, that's only if they catch you. All right. Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, we'll do... Uh, uh, well, I think Paddock had to go into a meeting, so we're not going to be able to make him... We're not going to be able to rodeo, uh, rodeo his eyes. Uh, but uh, we will have a breakup story from Aaron Duran. Yes. Like I said, Three Michael Mara show at seven. Phil Hendry at eleven, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. But before I could get to the station and the pickup truck, she got run over by a damned old train. Indeed. Uh, 
ladies and gentlemen. 503-733-2970. By the way, don't forget, Monday, 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 be there, be there, be there, the AM 970 premiere this coming Monday at Lloyd Cinemas, a Friday the 13th. The new Friday the 13th, which I, and I, and I, uh, I should say, by the way, that I am, uh, I am going to be there. I'm, I am going to watch it because I don't have any sort of, I have no illusions uh, that, like, Friday the 13th is some great piece yeah. of art. That no, I'm going to be there. I'm totally, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm already annoyed by one thing, though. Hmm. He's running. I yeah. got a problem with Jason running. Yeah, I see. Not me, not so much. To me, Jason's the walking juggernaut. Jason's Vader. That is what's creepy about him is he's a slow. Man. Yeah, he just he, he's he methodical. He doesn't need to run. He's gonna catch you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I uh, I have seen all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but I the thing is, like, I realize that it's just. I hate to. I say this, and it makes it sound weird. It makes it sound like an Eli Roth or something. When I say it's like porn, in the sense that it is just such a. Just like basically, it always you know you're just dressing up what is a very thin, <laughs> what is a thin yeah. premise. Yeah. I mean, right? It's always just like my hot water heater's broken and humping, <laughs> and so you know Friday the Thirteenth is kind of that way. So Except it's, this is my hot water heater. Uh, oh, machete! <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, but, so I don't have any problem with them remaking it, and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they do with it because the guys I in this uh, Friday the Thirteenth documentary. Uh, that I was I was lucky enough that they you know fortunate enough to get an advanced copy of that because I did the Savini interview which by the way I still have this like subtitle I have to have somebody else like dub over it so we can actually play it the Savini guys come up and like hey when did that interview air can you send us a copy of that and oh I'm just gonna pretend I haven't got that email because um, then I'll have to say like yes it went badly because I'm a retard uh, but. The guys who wrote the new Friday the 13th movie are obviously big fans. I mean, they're big fans of the franchise. And they've tried to take all of the best elements of the other nine films or ten films, whatever it is, and they've tried to merge them all into one. Um, And so that's, you know... That's kind of cool. It is. It is pretty cool. And, I mean, it's, you know, he is... It's such an iconic thing. And, I mean, I know I'm stating the obvious when I say that, but it's like that hockey mask. I mean, who... First of all, it's like with, like, Freddy Krueger... It's like less impressive that he's iconic because he's he's so bizarre. He's like a burned up guy with razor fingers. Yeah. But a hockey mask, you've seen a hockey mask every single hockey game since like the game, you know, for fifty years. I they mean, weren't scary till about twenty years ago. That's the thing. That that without even really altering it, really without even changing it, they took something that was innocuous and they made it terrifying. Yeah. And that's why when Bobby stands at the window in a in a hockey mask, uh, it just freaks everybody and really, out. I mean, people shouldn't I mean yeah, I mean I guess they're kinda of making this a remake, but like can you tell? I mean it, who cares? I had a 13. Seriously. <laughs> and they're all bad, man, except for part six. Um, and X. Anyway, so be among the first to see Friday the 13th at the AM 970 premiere this Monday night at Lloyd Cinemas. You pick up your free pass for two while supplies last. And they are at the Tropical Smoothie Cafe, 1902 West Burnside. That is next to PGE Park on the corner of 19th and Burnside. They'll go fast. There's limited supply. Get down there uh, today. That is the Tropical Smoothie Cafe, 1902 West Burnside next to PGE Park. The corner of 19th and Burnside, uh, limit one pair of passes per person. They are going to go fast first come, first serve. So that is uh, until they are gone. That is Friday the 13th, AM 970 uh, premieres of this coming Monday night at Lloyd Cinemas. So, all right. And so forth. Have you seen Coraline? Yes. And so have very, I. Very, very good. Have you? I, I, I was at the premiere last night. Oh. I didn't, I didn't get to go. Terry to Hatcher and I were like this. Yeah, and Dakota yeah. Fanning. I get a text from uh, Scott Dow. He's like, "Dude, I just talked with Ben Bird for ten minutes." Oh, Brad Bird. Brad I almost, Bird. I almost sent you the same text, but then I didn't because I figured that Dally was already doing it. Yeah. I. Uh, it was well. Sarah heard me just gushing about it. I, I last time I was like, "Sir, I just talked to Brad Bird. They're incredible." Uh, you know, and I right out of the gate, I was like, "I love Sign your work." Iron Giant. I, I just, I said, "Look, is the Iron Giant ever going to get a theatrical re-release?" And he's like, "Well, it's the ten-year anniversary, so." It's very possible. <gasps> oh, I know. See? Oh, oh, that's what I'm saying. 
Um, and the, not to knock the film or anybody involved with the film, but that to me was the high point of that because he went yeah. to school with Henry Selleck, which is yeah, yeah. there. Um, Coraline's a very good film, though. It's boy, it's a beautiful looking movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's so beautiful, and I don't have much of an eye for that. So, like, I don't have a, much of a sense for art or anything. I just, I just, I'm not very visual in that way. But even I, I mean, I was looking at it, and it just, especially when you realize, I mean, it's like. 100% stop motion. So as the guy said, every blade of grass, every strand of hair, every cloud, every raindrop. Raindrop were bits of resin. Yeah, yeah, every single thing you see on the screen is an actual physical thing in a room somewhere where they've got cameras and a guy moving everything one frame at a time and for remember, like five years. had to be done twice to, to do the 3D shooting. Each thing had to oh, be shot twice. Jesus, I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Um, it was so. It's a it's a beautiful looking film. It really is one of the most beautiful looking films I have ever I, seen in my life. I really hope it does well, mainly because it deserves to do well, and because I I would like that studio to, to produce more, like a studio more, right in Hillsboro. Yeah. And Phil Knight from Nike was there. Um, yeah. I stood next to him at one point. I was gonna, you know, because the deal is they walk by and you get to ask them questions. And I actually didn't because because what I wanted to go is like, how many people have you destroyed this month? Come on, just tell you me. You should have just said, hey, hook a brother up with the Freddy shoes. Yeah, I just really, I mean, I should have done that actually, but um. It is just such a beautiful looking movie. Coraline, uh, Terry Hatcher, uh, Dakota Fanning, and then Keith David uh, is in it as well. And it's, I should say this right out of the gate because there's so much bad movie making out there. It's not like one of those like Disney films where it's like the characters all break into song and there's a choreograph, whatever. And even though he did Nightmare Before Christmas, it's not a musical. Well, no. nothing, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying no. it is It is a movie, but it's things you could never show in real life. You have to do them through things like stop motion. And I will also say this. The first third of Coraline is one kind of movie, and at about the one-third mark, it just becomes so unbelievably different, and I guess I'm not giving anything away when I say that it does become... It becomes very, um, it becomes a dark film. Well, it's a very authentic fairy tale, which is what Neil Gaiman is very much known for, and original fairy tales, they're not all bright and flowery. Yeah. They've got dark streaks to get the message through. That's actually the rig. If you remember the original grim fairy tales, the way they're written, people they're mean. People remember fairy tales, yeah, being much happier than they are. Fairy tales are really warped. Like people don't remember that. Like the uh, what is it, uh, Hansel and Gretel? Yeah. With the gingerbread house, people don't remember this. In the original grim fairy tale, the witch in the gingerbread house captures Hansel and Gretel, sticks them in a cage, and is keeping them there to cook them for dinner. And the only way they can escape is because Hansel, the the boy, the brother. Because they've been wandering in the woods, Hansel is actually so emaciated, his finger is so skinny, he can use it as a skeleton key to open the lock on the cage. People yeah. don't remember that from the Grim Fairy Tale. They don't They're remember messed that up. The Little Mermaid actually kills herself. Yeah. And she turns um, into sea foam. Yeah, and um, in uh, Cinderella, after Cinderella gets the prince, she then orders ravens to peck out the eyes of the sisters. Well, I mean, good for her. Yeah. So we'll take a break here. I will say, Coraline, um, you can take your kids, but you want to let your kids know that it's it's scary. It's not an it's not a, an evil film, but it's scary. There are moments that are it's a dark film at yeah, times, but, but it's, it's a great, beautiful looking movie. Uh, and yes, there may be a theatrical release of The Iron Giant. Brad Bird oh. told me so in person when I was shaking his Can hand last tell? night. Can you tell? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Right. Back after this, kids, Aaron Duran will share a breakup story with you around the corner. Yeah. Mike is at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7, Phil Hendry uh, at 11. And, of course, this coming Sunday, Sarah Dillon on KUFO. The Punk Show. I'm doing uh, The Punk Show on KUFO Sunday night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Lisa Wood and I co-host it together. We pick, uh, handpick all of the songs, talk about upcoming music and whatnot, um, which is different from Musicology, which they talk about. Like, two shows, two great tastes, different tastes. They're both awesome. You should try and look Two shows, it. one building. Exactly. All right. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere.
It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen, for your happy Valentine's Day or not breakup story from ProFlowers.com. Don't forget, you go to ProFlowers.com, you get a dozen sweet expression roses for $39.99 and a second dozen free. Go to ProFlowers.com, won't you? Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, type in Emerson, or call 1-800-ProFlowers and mention Emerson for the amazing deal. The offer expires tonight at midnight. Beautiful flowers, Rick, beautiful. Well, we'll start with the listener submission. A $75 ProFlowers gift card going to Dustin, who says, and again, very mild, we're picking these randomly. Rick, I was 17 years old. I've been seeing a girl since I was 14. She spent days planning a huge Valentine's Day dinner that I sort of knew about. It meant a lot to her, but I found out that part a little late. I told her after dinner that she had worked on for weeks, preparing, slaving over, working on a huge Valentine's Day dinner for weeks. I mentioned after the dinner that she had prepared. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Valentine's Day didn't matter to me. Then things took a turn for the worse. I had a face full of cider and a lap full of dinner. She kicked me out, and I never saw her again. Ah, uh, young love. Signed, Dustin. Dustin, you've won a $75 gift card to ProFlowers.com. Congratulations, and I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, now to make him feel even better about his life, Aaron Duran. <laughs> her name was Andrea, and she was my childhood friend. Uh, we grew up together in the same neighborhood, literally just two houses apart from each other, from the time we were in the first grade until we each hit that special time when, you know, you begin to grow and you look at girls in a little different way. And she was still my best friend in the whole wide world. And then around seventh grade, I decided that it would have been great, since we were already best friends, that maybe she could have been, we could have been more than best friends. I mean, after all, she'd come to me with every single terrible breakup story she'd ever had with every kind of douchebag boy she dated in junior high. Of and course. she dated a lot of them and always came crying to me. So finally, spending weeks and weeks and weeks to build up the courage to ask her out to my first ever dance, the junior high Valentine's dance, she said yes. And I was on cloud nine. I went around and told all my friends that she had said yes and it was finally going to be and that we were going to be together forever and it was going to be wonderful. And I bought roses and my first suit ever and she was at the dance and she was there waiting for me at the dance along with all her friends and all her other friends and the boy that was actually taking her no. to the Valentine's oh. Wow. It turns out she didn't really take my question that seriously and thought I would just quote joking around <laughs> so much so that she told every single person she knew this funny joke that Aaron had said would you oh. like to take me to the Valentine's dance so as I walked in roses in hand to the Diamond View Junior High Auditorium everyone pointed and began to giggle <laughs> I set the voices down in the punch bowl and I did not go to a dance until my junior year of high school with Andrea and I still don't think I've gotten over that well then every time I go home to visit now there are still some kids that point and look at me and say so oh, Valentine's Day workouts oh wow oh there you go yeah Sounds good, Aaron. That's fantastic. Uh, hey, what's up? It's uh, at geekinthecity.com. Uh, the new show will be up this afternoon. Uh, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour show. We've got interviews with Henry Selnick, uh, Neil Gaiman, uh, uh, Bobby Fatway Roberts is on the show. It's just 
all kinds of stuff going on. Excellent. Uh, we have an exclusive uh, Mattel Toy Lines launch that we get to talk about on the show. Righteous. Yeah. Uh, and Coraline opens uh, tonight. Tonight. Somebody said, is it scarier than Nightmare Before Christmas? I would say yes. Uh, it's because, again, it's 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 it's, uh, it's a dark story. And well, there, it could be dolls with button eyes. And but there, it's still got heart. No, it's, it, yeah, it's beautiful in the way that fairy tales are, but there is a struggle between good and evil, and evil ain't pulling no punches in this. No. So, but it's beautiful. Safe for kids if you tell them it's a fairy tale beforehand, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a... It is quite something, and you ought to support Portland filmmaking, and this is Portland filmmaking. Absolutely. So, all right. Uh, we want to thank Kevin Cook, alias uh, Poison Waters, for joining us today. You can find out more about Poison Waters at poisonwaters.com. He will be entertaining this weekend mm-hmm. at, uh, is it at Darcel's? At Darcel's, 8.30 and 10.30 each night. Actually, there you go. We'll have him back. He was he was quite good. Absolutely. Uh, we also want to thank Brentley for joining us in the studio today. We want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins and Ed McCarthy as well. All right, don't forget, uh, Musicology, this coming Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m., immediately preceded by CBS Radio Theater. Featuring AZ and Kimmy Waters and the song Birds of Sing Sing. All right, uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day for the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970 The Talker. You know the rest, fill it in, in your head. Be safe. See y'all on Monday. Bye now. Yes, Richie, we can all see your nipples.